Hello and happy Monday, February 21st. The third week of February is upon us. And welcome to the ninth episode of the ABXY cast. Joining me today is the dumbest rug I know, Chase. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, indeed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So it's been a little bit of a slow week. It um, has. It's, eventually they happen. Um, eventually you just get to the point where you have a slow week. Uh, but this that's us this week. It's just, woof. It's very slow. Woof. Not Not too much information hit us this week. Yeah, not a lot of not a lot. Of, I mean, there was a lot of news, but it's all like small stuff. Couple big, couple big things, but mostly small. Um, the biggest thing, of course, is there's there's a big game release last Friday, and there's a big game release this Friday. And depending on who you are, you are super excited for one, both, or the other. It just depends. But Horizon yep. last week and Elden Ring this week, so. Uh, Definitely, yep. the video game gods are spoiling us this month. They are. They are. And I will probably uh, be buying Elden Ring. I said, I think I think it was last episode, or maybe it was the first one, I said I wasn't going to buy it. But after some research, I think I am going to buy it day one, give it a shot. Really? I am. It's not, it's not my cup of tea, and I've said that quote-unquote, but I think I am going to buy it just so we can review it on the podcast. Well, I, as I said, Matt should hopefully be back. Um, either probably not the next episode because we'll record that either right before or right as the game comes out. Um, but either the episode after that or two episodes after that um, to give his thoughts, give him enough time to really sink his teeth into that game. But he should be back by then, um, and he will give us his feelings as the Soulsborn expert of of the ABXY cast. He the will souls born expert. The souls born expert. He will give us the the inside scoop on whether Elden Ring is a good game or not. And we shall see. We shall see. Exactly. Uh, so I have been playing a lot of games this week. Oddly enough, I don't usually have a lot of time to play games, but this week I did. You, on the other hand, <laughs> the exact opposite. Normally, exact I have a opposite. lot of time to play video games, and this week I had no time to play fucking video games. Yeah, this week it was, you know, you played a little bit. So, what did you play this week? I see Minecraft on here, Ready or Not yes. on here. So, yes. so go ahead, spill. All right, all right. So, the majority—it's not a lot I've played this week, but the majority of the time, I did start hosting a Minecraft server. Uh, first, we bounced between some mods, and then we finally settled on a mod called Sevtech Ages, and it's the best way I can describe it. It is the most tedious thing I've ever played in my life. Okay. So, you know, like a normal crafting table, you put stuff in there, you put it in a certain way, you get a certain item. In mm-hmm. Sevtech, you literally have to manually put the items like look down on the crafting table and manually put them in super tedious on top of that same thing with the storage system you have to manually put them on your shelves and they can hold up to a stack super tedious now Mm. sound i'm hating on it but it is a lengthy game as you do more quests and get more achievements you slowly unlock more technology so in the later scheme of things not like that. You can automate everything. Yeah. So it, it's it's a lengthy server. 
it's just, you know, the time I had this week, I really couldn't dive in and touch it. So, you know, maybe maybe next week I'll have more information on how Sevtech is going. But currently, <laughs> it's it, the early stages of the mod is tedious. Yeah. Sounds tedious. I, I don't know what it is. I got So I got some shit from some people about apparently I hated on Minecraft last week. Um, I did not hate on Minecraft. I would like to point that out. Minecraft is a fantastic game, but it's been for me at least the same for 11 years and it gets, it gets boring after a while. Like, yeah. Okay. There's mod packs and all that other stuff, but eventually it boils down to punch a few trees, dig a few holes. You're talking about vanilla Minecraft, right? Yeah. Vanilla Minecraft. And then, I but even even modded Minecraft to a point still boils down to punch a few trees, dig a few holes. It's just now you have all this extra complexity on top of it. Mm, I, I don't know if I agree with that one. I, I agree with you. My, vanilla Minecraft, after so many years of playing it, same game. Like You can <laughs> add as many caves and cliffs as you would like. As many nether updates as you would like. Same game. Modded Minecraft, on the other hand, I don't know if I can agree with that. Well, yeah, it's not the same game, but like fundamentally you boil modded Minecraft down and you're basically in a lot of the mods. I don't know about SevTech because I've never played it, but in a lot of the mods, it's (laughs) 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 it's boiling down to you're automating things that you would be manually doing in vanilla Minecraft and then building some stuff that's been added in to the mod. Um, It's been a long time since I've done any modded Minecraft but I still find myself getting into the same routine, even on a modded server. And I'm just like, I, I've got my Minecraft itch. I scratched it. Now I'm kind of like ready to move on to the next thing. Well, do you play these modded servers with friends or by yourself? A mix of both. A mix of both? All right. Yeah. So if it's single player, I agree. After about a week, maybe half a week, my itch has been well scratched. I'm done multiplayer as long as the community in the multiplayer is keeping it fun and entertaining with the mod I feel mm-hmm. like minecraft is never boring yeah no if you're playing with the right people minecraft is never is it, you know the longevity of that is longer but even when i'm playing with other people eventually i'm just like i it's the, either the mod pack gets too complicated and too tedious and therefore i'm just like i don't want to play this anymore or i've done like everything that the mod pack lets me do. And I'm just like, I, I'm good. I, I, my itch has been scratched. I'm happy now. Yeah, basically. Where's Elden Ring? <laughs> or, or Horizon or some other game, you know, that I want to play. Um, but yeah, so I'm always down to play Minecraft, but I have to play in short bursts. Short bursts. I can't, I can't play for like 30 minutes or a day. Like four or five hours at a time, I just can't do it because I'm just like I'm just digging holes, and there's only so much mining that I can enjoy in a single sitting. You sleeping on Minecraft? I ain't sleeping on it. You sleep? I've been playing that game since you it was in early access. After that, after that comment, I hope we get another review saying that you dogged on Minecraft. I dogged on Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to it's like art 2. It's just going to keep revolving every single every single podcast episode. We're just going to talk about how you dogged on Minecraft and art 2 is garbage. 
Yeah, I got shit on for dogging Sims. I would like to point out that I am a Sims addict. Like, I have played every version of The Sims, so I feel like I am more than qualified to speak out on how Sims 4, compared to previous Sims games, is a bit of a disappointment. Because I bought play, bought and played every Sims 1 expansion, every Sims 2 expansion and mm-hmm. stuff pack. Uh, the Sims 3 ran like total garbage, and I kind of fell off at that point, but I did play a lot of it until I finally realized, like, yeah, this game just is broken, and I put it down. And then when Sims 4 got announced, I was super excited because they were going back to that kind of semi-cartoonish but still kind of realistic art style that The Sims 2 had. And they were bringing back more of the, you know, they were focusing more on The Sims and interacting with other Sims and the personality aspects rather than we have this giant neighborhood you can walk around, which is cool, but I'm mainly focused on... It's mainly I'm focused on a single unit, like a single family unit and expanding that out over time. And The Sims 4 was just missing so much content. They've turned it around. They've added a whole bunch of stuff, but a whole bunch of it is in expansions and stuff yeah. packs and game packs. And, you know, now they have these little Sims 4 kits, which have like five or six items in them. Like they're super small, but they're like $5. They're $5. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I love The Sims. I love The Sims 4. I've put a ton of time into it. But... I, I feel like I can quantifiably state that when they are selling kits of items, that it's not like a stuff pack, which is, you know, dozens of items or an expansion pack that is adding like core, huge changes to the gameplay or even the game packs, which add like smaller, more focused things, you know, but you're charging $5 for a pack that maybe contains like 10 ish items. And it's like, that's ridiculous. It is kind of ridiculous. And people and, buy the shit out of it. Yeah. Matter of fact, I, I know somebody that when they saw these little $5 mod packs, they were like, it's only $5. And I was looking, and I was like, you get a different chair, you get a different table, you get some cool looking lights, and that's it. I was like, $5 and for virtual chairs and tables? What? Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like spending $5 on virtual playing cards in Madden. Well, there's a big difference. <laughs> it's just not a big difference. <laughs> There's a huge difference. Enlighten me. How is there a big difference? All right. You get this table, right? Mm-hmm. Are you, do you plan on playing Sims 4 for a whole period of a, an entire year? Most people say no. Small percentage say yes, right? There's a I, hardcore I, fan base that says that's the only game they play. True. But how many people do you know that could possibly play Sims 4 for a whole year? I personally don't know any. I know a couple. A whole year? Yeah. A whole period of a year? Yeah. Man, I've been proven wrong already. But I'll continue. (laughs) That is like my sister's favorite game. That is like my girlfriend's favorite game, sadly. She, she, when When she got her Mac, she was like, hey, I need you to help me get The Sims on this so I can play it. I feel like it's just like a it's an easy game to learn. That's why people enjoy it. It's just it's a doll house. it's a dollhouse simulator. Yeah, it's just exactly playing house. what it is. Yeah. That's I guess it's I, I guess that's likable. But yeah, it's anyway, very addictive. Back to my mutt conversation. <laughs> As uh, I don't think I can defend this, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I was going to say you're trying to defend spending money on on these cards. I, I don't I don't think you're going to have a good time with that. 
the only thing I can say is if you like gambling, you'll love Mutt. End of story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because it's gambling. It's literally just gambling. It's gambling. And that's the thing for me is like you you just said it. It's gambling versus at least you know what you're getting with the sim stuff. Like, yeah, it's $5 and it's absurd that they're charging $5 for that. But you know what you're getting um, in terms of like the content that's going to be in that pack. And so you as a consumer can make the determination, is it worth it to buy this particular thing? So for me, I will be the first to say I have not bought every single expansion or game pack or stuff pack uh, for The Sims 4. And I haven't bought any of the kits because I go and look what's in it. What are the gameplay changes that it brings, if it brings any? Um, And I make the determination for myself, is this a value add to the game that I'm already playing or can I live without it? And usually with like the big expansions, the answer is always just buy it. And then with the game packs, it's usually like most of the time buy it. The stuff packs and the kits is where it's like, you don't need that. Like you don't need those items. So put the credit card down. You will spend maybe 40 bucks, not on sale. Just keep in mind. Obviously when the Sims 4 goes on sale, it's like $5. But we're just going to take it as a $40 game, right? Mm -hmm. $40 for the game. $30 $30 for all the DLCs. It mm-hmm. has to be like six plus. Then you go down to like $10 for the little, uh, like the smaller DLCs, I guess you can call it. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a whole lot of those because I was looking at them a few days ago. Mm-hmm. That's well over 200 if you're paying it at, I think it's, I think they're actually, the DLCs are $40, right? So the expansion packs are $40. Yeah. The game packs are $20. The um, the uh, the stuff packs are, I think, ten dollars, and the kits are five dollars, if I remember correctly. Um, EA and Bungie is milking us with these DLCs, man. And Madden, yeah. I guess. Just... Yeah, no, they they have created a um, a system. That basically is like it's just a assembly line of of money that people are um, spending. You know, it's it's a lot. Hey, like I mean, it works. People spend a lot on those games. I mean, just to put it in perspective, if you bought the game, I think the base game itself launched at sixty dollars. I think it's cheaper than that now. But it was $60 when it came out. And there's been 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 expansions that are $40 a piece. Oh, my. So right there, that's $500 if you bought everything at full price. Granted, that's over seven years. But I don't want to hear anything from you dogging on Madden now. You own all those? So I don't own all of these, no. um, Because I think I stopped buying them but I and I also never bought them on release. I always bought them when they went on sale for like 50% off. So, I always and then I would use like the bundle that they they let you build your own bundles on Origin where you can basically bundle a stuff pack, game pack and expansion pack into one thing. And so I'm usually spending like $35 on 3 of them instead of spending like $70 on three of them. So I'm getting about half off um, when I would be, that's usually when I would buy them 
Um, so, but I do own a lot of them. Just not all of them. Unbelievable. You know what? Next time, next time you, you come over and you see me drop like 10, 20, maybe a hundred dollars on some Madden. <laughs> I'm still going to dog you for it. I don't want to hear anything. I'm going to dog you for it because like, as I said, I know exactly what I'm getting when I buy an expansion pack or a game pack or a stuff pack for the Sims. Is it nickel and diming? Absolutely. Some of that's the worst example is they released the, the pet expansion. And then like a couple of months after they released the pet expansion, they released a, my first pet stuff pack, which is just a bunch of extra items that are pet themed or for the pets in the game. And it's like, you didn't even try to hide the fact that this could have been in the expansion because you released it not long after. And that's probably the most egregious example that they've done, but they, they do tend to time some of them. Like I think when they released the update that added toddlers back into the game, they released a stuff pack that was specifically like stuff for toddlers. So they do try to like manipulate you into buying these things with the free updates. And then they add like they're like, oh, and we just released this this pack that gives you all sorts of stuff to take advantage of this free update. But I still think it's different than Madden because, again, with Madden, you only have like a slight idea of what you could get. But you don't know exactly what you're going to get when you buy it. Well, well, to get a little off topic with with Sims 4. We weren't already. Madden, yeah, we are. <laughs> but we're going to go a little further. With Madden and Sims 4, it's optional to buy those DLCs, right? If you want to put it into a, another perspective, who's worse? I say Bungie. You have Destiny 2. You drop a DLC. All the work you put in before that DLC, pointless. They raise the soft cap. They make it to where all the all the shit that you got before that DLC was, it was great, and now it's garbage. And for you to keep up with other players kind of forces you. So one friend buys it, another friend's like, oh man, this dude's already 300 light. Let me buy that. Let me, and then it just, it's a chain. If anything, if anything, you're like, Bungie with Destiny 2 is way worse than Ultimate Team and Sims 4. So again, with, with, with Destiny 2, at the very least, you have an idea of what you're getting with those expansions that come out. Um, and the base game is now free to play. It wasn't when it came out, but it is now, um, which makes up for it a little bit because you're not paying to get into the game. They got to make their money somewhere. So whatever. And it's the kind of game where that is kind of expected. I mean, that's always been the case in those kinds of games like World of Warcraft. You think about World of Warcraft, when it came out, the level cap was 50. You ran through all the content, you got to level 50 and you were done. And then couple years after they released Burning Crusade, which is the first major expansion. It adds a whole new area. Now the level cap is 60 or 55 or whatever it went up to. And you have to now go and do this questing content and all these new dungeons and all these new raids and get new gear. That's just kind of the cycle of that style of game. Whereas, and again, when you're buying an expansion, you have an idea of a good chunk of the content. You may not know every single loot item you can get, but you have a good idea of what you're going to get. And if you like the game already, then you're buying into these new content packs for the story or for the gameplay or whatever. With Madden, you're buying digital card packs that you don't, you, you have a vague idea 
of your chances to get any specific level of thing, but you don't know when you open it what's going to be in it. And then once you get it, like your options are limited. You can't convert that money, like say you spend $5 to buy a pack and you get shit. There is no way for you as a player to convert that $5 that you just spent on that card pack back into $5 that you can get back in real life, which is the major difference between it and like Pokemon. Because same thing with Pokemon, you go and buy a pack of Pokemon cards, you don't know what's in the pack, but when you pull it out, you have the option to, all right, I'm going to go sell these cards and I may not get all of my money back, but I can at least recoup some of my investment. And, you know, that's kind of the big difference for me. True, semi, semi true. So the only way you could possibly, quote unquote, just like Pokemon cards, the only way you can get your money back is if you pull something good. Because if you pull something good, you can sell it on the auction house. And they do have websites. Like there's a few that I know of. But you can just put your coins on there. Somebody pays real money for your coins. And then you just give them the coins. But like I said, just like Pokemon, you have to pull something good. If like, if it's yeah. not good... If you spend five dollars and you pull something that's like nothing, yeah, you you like you said you are out of five dollars. There's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, but it, with Pokemon cards, at the very least, if you pull five dollars, if you if you pay five dollars for a pack, and the cards suck and nobody wants to buy them, they are still a physical good, which means you can do other things with them. You can turn them into an art project. You can use them to warm yourself when the apocalypse oh. comes. You can use them as Pokemon cards to start fires. Like you, there's uses for them beyond just the cards. Look, um, all right, there's uses for ultimate team cards too. <laughs> you can look inside when it, Madden when NFC when NFTs get big. Oh, God. maybe they'll make ultimate team cards. <laughs> you know, it is a match made in heaven. It is a match <laughs> made in heaven. NFTs and ultimate team. Well, this we went way off tangent. Yeah, I, the biggest scam in video games com- teaming up with the biggest scam in real life. Just it's a, a perfect marriage. It's a perfect match. It's it's a perfect match. <laughs> it's, it's honestly like it's just beautiful. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo. Well, they both died in the end. So well, hopefully they do. I hope so too. I hope so too. NFTs in particular. If if I have to set if I have to accept Ultimate Team for the rest of my life and the cost of that is NFTs die out, I will accept that trade. I would like both of them to die out, don't get me wrong, but I'll accept that trade. No, Ultimate Team. I wish I like Ultimate Team. I agree with you. I feel like it's it's way too too much pay to win. Like you're paying to play Ultimate Team, you really have to pay money. Like there's no way around mm-hmm. it. And I wish I don't want to get rid of the whole buying pack system, but I, I would like if they could make it a a more f- like fair system for people who don't want to spend money. If you want to grind real hard, like take that's away what that franchise rate. mode is for. Uh, uh, have, have you played Madden? I don't like sports games, so no. <laughs> franchise mode is is more of a single player mode. You can play it with friends, but the thing that makes ultimate team so quote unquote flexible is because you can just log in, hop on your team and play anybody. When they yeah. have all the promotions that Madden does is basically mm-hmm. all through ultimate team. 
franchise yeah. is like a single player story. Best way I can describe it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I guess it's not a replacement, but I agree with you. They need to find a way to balance the, the ultimate team, like desire for them to make as much money as possible and yes. the grindy nature of it that, you know, honestly, I, I'm sure there is a large number of people that play Madden that don't even engage with that, that just ignore it. You know, there is. And I actually and, know a few friends that don't touch it. Yeah. And just play the regular Madden and, and just have fun with their yearly football game because you don't need a hundred percent of your player base to pay the money for the cards to make money on it. You just need a very small percentage of people who are willing to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars to wail themselves out and be the best of the best in terms of having the best cards, even if they're not the best player, because it makes them feel better. You want to know the best part about that, too? What is the best part? It's going to make you laugh, all right? If it... (laughs) Not only do they do that every single year, Mm -hmm. but it's the same exact cards every single year, just different colors, like different card styles on them. Yeah. Like, it is the exact same. Matter of fact, it's like they just made a character, made it look like them, threw their name on it, and just sent them out. Yeah. The ROI on ultimate team like the the effort they put into it versus the money they get out of it has got to be like astronomical like just some they probably have like three like undergrad graphic designers and like a casual you know amateur hobbyist photographer and their job is to make those ultimate team cards and between them like the four of them get paid $12 in a McGriddle every year. (laughs) And like, they have to split that McGriddle up because (laughs) they don't each get a McGriddle. The entire team gets $12 in a McGriddle and that's all they get. Here's your McGriddle, sir. Thank you for (laughs) $6 million this week. (laughs) Yes. It's like we made, uh, you know, God knows like how much they make a day on that thing. But we made $1.6 billion last year on this. Here's, you know, and we were kind enough to pay you about 600 bucks. And a McGriddle. And, and a McGriddle. And, and 52 McGriddles. One a week. One um, a week. So, but yeah, no, I, at the, like, as you said, there, the only reason Ultimate Team hasn't crossed the line into, like, destroying Madden is because it is still optional. I feel like if EA found a way to make it like that was the the only way to play that game, they would. But I think it would require them to make Madden free to play and probably somewhere on a on a spreadsheet there's a column that's like the number of players that play this and never touch ultimate team and the how much they paid for the game and then there's how much money we made on ultimate team versus how many players play ultimate team. And until those two columns are worth exactly the same, they aren't going to sacrifice the the people who never touch it. Yep. But they should. They should they should just sacri- they should just go all in or dump it. And that's my thought process. Maybe just make it a little bit more not digging in your pockets 
nope. for everything. They either go all the way or they dump it and put their focus on making the rest of the game better. I'm not going to buy it, so they're never going to listen to me. But <laughs> Hey, I've spent so much money, maybe they should listen to me. Well, you're part of the problem. You know what? I'm part of the solution. And maybe you can be a part of the solution, but you are currently a part of the I problem. I am a walking solution. A walking solution. <laughs> uh, so in addition to Minecraft, you also played Ready or Not? Yeah, didn't play it for long. That's uh, that early access tactical shooter, right? Yeah, it's... It's... You have Rainbow Six, right? And, you know, you attack and defend the Rainbow Six. We'll just yeah. take away the defend. You are literally just attacking. That is it. That's the whole game. It's PvE. Going in. Yep, it's PvE. You're going in with a, a group of friends. I think it ranges up to five or six. Mm-hmm. It's one of those games, kind of like Phasmophobia, to where it's it's good. Like, it's, it's not great. It's not outstanding. It's just good. But yeah. with friends, it makes it great. Or however you want to like with a good group of friends it is a good game without mm-hmm. it it's kind of bare bone dry okay but yes it's in early access that's my big issue with it yeah you can i have definitely been tell. i have been scorned on a couple of early access games i've also played several early access games that turned out to be amazing but i'm like always Ark. wary Ark is not one of them Oh, Ark is it, you know, to this day, I'm surprised it's still not it's still not in early access because that game is not finished. They never finished it. They just they just outstanding graphics. Uh, Truly a masterpiece. Ark is a masterpiece. I don't think so. All right. We're getting off topic again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't even want to go into the Ark discussion. But, like, for me, some examples of, like, Divinity Original Sin 2 is a game that I got in early access and played the first act of that game because that was all you could play was the first act of the game. And I thought it was really, really good. And then the game came out and I put over 80 hours into a single playthrough. And it's one of my, like, top five RPGs of all time. I mean, it is absolutely fantastic. And the early access version of that game was also really good. Um, but then on the flip side, you have games like Ark, which I never really played, um, that just kind of never really exit early access and or just kind of come out and are bad, even though they sell really well and people seem to like them. Just really yeah. bad games. I feel like they label it as early access quotations. You can't see them. Early access. Just if there's any bugs, they can just be like, oh, man, we're still working on the game, you know? Exactly. Even though the game is, quote, unquote, like they're finished, they're just releasing updates. They're just calling it early access Mm -hmm. for all the bugs. They don't feel like dealing with it. That is exactly what it is. Like early access, the first real early access game was Minecraft. And it was a we are developing this game out in the open. So you can play the game as we're developing it. And we can get feedback in real time from the people who are playing the game about what they like or don't like um, and what they want to see. And, you know, because they might have an idea as the players that the developers didn't think of. And that was kind of the idea behind early access was 
you know, for smaller teams that maybe don't have the cachet to hire a bunch of, you know, QA people, or they don't have the the financial security to develop a game in private and hope that it turns out well and sells well and makes their money back. They can release the game, develop it out in the open, build buzz that way, and then people buy it, play it, share it, and it becomes kind of this cultural thing like Minecraft did. Not that many games have replicated that success. Since then, it's kind of been either you have the way Divinity Original Sin did it, which was we're going to release kind of the first part of the game so people can get familiar with the gameplay systems and how we're what our design philosophy are design philosophies are and then they can kind of take those learnings for the rest of the game and fix anything kind of like an open beta if you will just very prolonged yeah and then other companies are just like oh well the game's in early access but it's done we just it's buggy and we don't want people to think that the game is finished so we're going to say it's early access while we fix the bugs to kind of cover it up, sweep it under the rug a little bit. Yeah, make it sound a little prettier, I guess you could say. It's like, yeah. oh man, the game's still in early access. That's why there's so many bugs. They'll fix it later. Exactly. Exactly. You, you got to look at it as it's not a it's not a finished game. Yeah, it's not a finished product. So that's kind of the mindset that Close. they have. Finished product. Yes. <clears throat> Unfinished. Unfinished. Um, but yeah, so I kind of avoid early access games if I can. Not, not big on buying them unless I, unless it is a game that legitimately looks good, and I know a couple of people who are playing it, and it's a multiplayer game, and they want to play it really badly, and they really like it, then I might pick it up. But if it's a single player game, or if it's a um, multiplayer game that nobody I know is playing, then I'm probably not going to grab it. Just to save myself. Agreed. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So that's it? Nothing else that you've been playing this week? Nothing else. Busy, busy week. Man. Didn't really have time to play many video games. Told all the listeners you were going to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey, right. and it's not even on Hold here. Hold up. I will, I will touch on that. I played <laughs> it for about five minutes. Looked great. And then I was like, man, I'm in college. I got to go do homework. So I went to go do homework. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, don't don't shoot the messenger. Drive up to my college and be like, yo, give him some more time. And then I'll leave a review on Assassin's Creed. Make make some time to play Assassin's Creed. Uh, Just make it. Just make some time. Because I, I guarantee you, if uh, within like a couple of hours, once you get off Tutorial Island kind of and you get into the where the game opens up, you'll either be hooked and want to finish it or you'll be like i'm done and you'll know like within like i'd say within 10 hours you will know if you are into that game or not 10 hours yeah within about 10 hours you know how sad you know how these open world ubisoft games are they take a little while to kind of spit you out open up real yeah spit you out into the real game um uh speaking of spitting you out into the real game uh, I've been playing some Lost Ark, which apparently, according to Matt, he texted me yesterday and told me that about like two or three quests ahead of where we had gotten together, uh, the game dumps a whole bunch of more gameplay mechanics on you and um, like is just Tutorial City for like two hours. So apparently I haven't even gotten into the real game on this yet. 
Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and I put about 10 hours in. Uh, I wanted to play more, but work-life balance and shit. Uh, this game is really good. Um, it scratches an itch that I have not... That no game has scratched for me since World of Warcraft. Elder Scrolls Online came pretty close to scratching this itch. Um, but then I kind of started playing that game like a single-player game rather than as an MMO. And so it, it no longer scratched the itch. Um, but this game scratches that MMO itch. So it is a free-to-play action RPG MMO. So ARPG MMO. Lots of... Uh, or MMO ARPG. Lots of letters. Uh, yes. It feels more like an MMO than Diablo. Like, really, the only thing that it has in common with Diablo is the camera angle. Oh, um, it does have that camera angle? It has that camera angle and kind of the... Uh the level design of the world is very similar to Diablo in the sense that you're, you don't have like this large open world that you can go anywhere in. You kind of have these tile sets that you're going through and you have paths that you take and the world is very open and large, but it still feels very much like a Diablo world. But MMO wise, this has all the trappings. It has, you know, chat, it has guilds, it has, classes and you know subclasses and leveling that is very much you know you're putting points into specific skills sounds like a great game to play yes so elden ring comes out um well that is what matt is (laughs) matt is using it as the the game that holds him over to elden ring um and it's a little grindy i will say like it does feel a little grindy um and the the story is just uh, no it's there it's not interesting it's not good I don't give a shit about these characters. I don't care. Um, and some of the quests are a little dumb. Like you'll have like, you'll pick up a quest from one guy and the quest like objective is to walk 10 feet and go talk to this other guy. And then his quest objective is to walk back to the person you just talked to and talk to them. And you'll have like, like five or six of those in a row. And then you'll have your typical MMO quests of, go here, kill this, go here, kill this many of these things, collect this many of these things, you know, go click this button on this object on this other, the other side of the map. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's that, that kind of is a little, you know, just not interesting, but that's not what I'm there right. for. Story doesn't matter for that kind of game. The UI is very cluttered, very Korean. Um, so there's a lot of shit on screen at any one time and it can get a little, um, overwhelming, uh, to say the least. I was always big in Elder Scrolls Online and World of Warcraft. I would mod the hell out of the UI to make it as unobtrusive and functional as possible. Um, so I haven't looked into if this is customizable or moddable yet. Um, but I really, it really needs to be. Is it difficult to learn? Because I was looking at some of the gameplay, and it, it like it looks like a lot, but the way the way I've seen you describe it, and I've seen mutual friends describe it, it sounds like it's not. Like it's it looks more intimidating than it sounds. It's very intimidating at first glance. Like when you jump in and you look at all these menus and you look at all these systems like there's a deck building element in there. There's Ooh. um, which I personally I was love. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, God. But it's I it's kind of like 
like bonuses and buffs and things. It's not really like abilities. It's just more like you, you're collecting cards as you're playing and you put them into your little slots and it kind of gives you extra bonuses. Um, there's enchanting, there's gear, there's crafting, there's, you know, it's everything you'd expect out of a modern MMO, but the game dumps it on you in batches. So you kind of get time to acclimate with what they've given you. Um, my biggest issue with the game so far is that my head is having trouble with the controls. Wonky controls? So by default, um, when you first start up the game and you launch into your first player, you have the option to choose between two control schemes. Left click to move and right click to interact. Or right click to move, left click to interact. Wow, that's crazy. So, yeah, really, <laughs> you know, right out the gate, you think, okay, so many pretty, options. pretty straightforward. The problem is because the game looks so much like Diablo, Diablo is very much left click to move, left click to interact, left click to attack. Um, and if you want to, if you want to not accidentally move while you're attacking, you hold the shift key. That's Diablo controls. And I have played so much Diablo over the years that my brain cannot really accommodate the idea that you left click to move right click to attack and right click on these npcs to interact with them so my brain is having trouble getting used to that um <clears throat> and then your abilities are mapped to wazda and the number rows and all that um but overall i i, I, I kind of sound like i'm dogging on this game because it's very like negative stuff but there's something about this game that just clicked with me and the, the gameplay is just the moment to moment gameplay is so satisfying and rewarding and interesting that I am just hooked so far. I don't know if that'll change when I hit this next like tutorial dump, island, I guess you this say. next tutorial <laughs> dump um, teaching me all this extra stuff. Um, I know that the crafting stuff that I've been learning um, was kind of infuriating uh, just because it kind of it ruined the flow. Like I'd be going along, just quest, 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 and then it was like, oh, you need to stop and learn how to fish. And I'm like, I don't want to. It makes you fish. Well, like it doesn't make you, but you get a quest that's part of like your your guide quest line, and it's like you you have to go do this. Um, and since you're right there, you might as well do it because get it out the way, so you don't have to come back and do it later. Um. But yeah, I really like it. I it's free to play, so there's no harm in trying. It's it's a fairly large download. It's like a hundred gigabytes or something like that. Um, but it's uh it's pretty good. And like I said, I haven't had anything since WoW that really scratched this itch. And when I was done playing it that first night, like two or three hours, I just was like, this game is gonna be a problem. Because all I wanted to do was keep playing and I had to go to bed. But I just wanted to keep playing. See, and I think Maybe next week. I'm pretty sure I'll be speaking about that game that I played this week, and probably not Assassin's Creed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did install uh, Lost Ark. I actually saw, installed it right before our podcast. And uh, I very much will be playing this game probably right after we finish the podcast, because I've heard, besides the controls, but I never played too much Diablo, so it doesn't yeah. bother me. Besides the controls and the the quest lines being just stupid. Yeah. That's the only two bad things I've heard. Yeah. So I'm probably going to give it a shot. 
the game is also pretty easy so far. Um, so when you get to like dungeons and stuff, you have the option to run them solo or you can match make, and then you kind of have a normal and a hard difficulty. Um, the hard difficulty is not that difficult. Um, you can pretty much solo most things. And then you have like dungeon dungeons that are like real MMO dungeons that are huge and have like quest lines in them and big, like multiple bosses and all that. Those I don't think you can run solo. I think you have to run those in, in groups. Even they're not super difficult, but from what I've heard from people who have played way more of this game than me is that the further into the game you get, the more kind of complicated and complex the game gets, the more difficult it gets. Um, not so necessarily... They do a great job pacing. Yeah, they, they kind of ease you into it and that really the, the real game is the end game and that the, the story quests are mainly just to get you from point A to point Z so you know how to play the game and then you kind of go into the real game. Um, so yeah. Um, Sounds great. Yeah, it's really good. It's not the only game I've been playing. I've also been playing some Horizon Zero Dawn in anticipation of Forbidden West, which just came out. Um, so first things first, when I booted that game up, game is great. Like, it's it's fantastic. Like, it's challenging. It's rewarding from combat to puzzles to exploration. It's just a fantastic game. Um, you know, from a studio that was known for making kill zone shooters like to go and make an open world rpg with robot dinosaurs fantastic transition um game is five years old and Crazy i feel like about. It's, i can't believe it's five years old it's crazy it's crazy came out in february of 2017 so kind of you know, kind of nice and poetic that the sequel came out in February of 2022, five years later. Almost hey, exactly. I um, mean, in five years, I've yet to play that game, too. I've, been, <laughs> I've heard great things. I've heard it's beautiful. I've heard it's it's a good story. Just, you know, the story when you have a Xbox and PC. Yeah, the story is, is fantastic, which it is available on PC now. I saw. It is. Um, it's been available on PC for, I think, a year now well you know what too much minecraft too much arc yeah clearly clearly um too much mud the game looks amazing i don't know if this is something that the pc version fixes uh some of this stuff um but playing it in 2022 there are a lot of visual glitches with that game and while it is very pretty like to look at especially when you're kind of standing still once you start moving around and doing things some of the like compromises that were made to get that game running on a PS4 become evident. Um, and like you'll be running around and the pop in is awful, you know, textures, meshes, models, everything. Oh. Like I was running in the world and where I needed to go, there was a zip line from the, like the top of this cliff down to the ground. And that was kind of, that's how I was going to get down once I finished this quest and got all the way up to where I needed to go. And as I'm running towards the zip line, like segments of the zip line are popping into existence. So like I can see the start and I can see some of the, the rope and then I can see the end, but like the actual rope itself for some reason is being culled 
separately. So like I'll see half of the rope instead of the whole thing. And then it'll just be like a gap. I don't know if that's a bug or if it's a, what the issue is. Um, but yeah, they got like the animations, particularly in like, like dialogue sequences or real time cutscenes that aren't like the major story cutscenes. Um, the animations are super stiff, especially the facial animations. Like everybody just has these dead eyes, like just dead eyes. Um, the shadows cut off super close to the camera. And like all of this is exacerbated once you get on a mount and you start running super fast because like the, it just can't keep up. So you'll just see like you'll be running through and you'll just see like an NPC carrying a box and the box is just like a beige cube until the texture loads in. And you're just like, oh, so I saw that. Negative, just everything just negative today. Yeah, apparently I'm just in a bad mood. Apparently. <laughs> Depth of field during the cutscenes is just bad. You can see. Like, oh, here we go. Yeah, it's it's bad. Um, the game looks great. Like I said, the game looks great when you're not moving. But the moment you start moving, um, it does. When you start playing the game. Yeah, the moment you start playing the game, it starts to fall. The visuals start to fall apart. Funny thing is, I don't remember the game looking like that five years ago. So that just goes to show, like, even though the game still looks good today, and we kind of go, we have this mindset of, oh, Games haven't really gotten that much better looking in the last five years. Yes, they have. Because after like five years ago, I didn't notice all of those things when I was playing it. I didn't notice the cutoff, like the pop in and the cutoff and the, the animations being super stiff and all of that. But today in 2022, it's all glaringly obvious. Yeah. Um, so and playing on a PS5 doesn't make it any better. Granted, I'm on an external hard drive and not excuse me, on the internal SSD. Maybe if it was on the SSD, it would solve some of those issues. But um, but yeah, still a great game, though. The story is excellent. Some of the twists in there are really like, you know, they still hit five years later. Like plot twists? Like the plot twists. Like the, the idea of, like, when you learn the truth about the machines Don't in the spoil. world. Like, I'm not going to spoil it, but like when you when you learn the truth about them. Like you have this concept in your head of, of what those machines are and then you learn the truth of what they are and it's like, whoa. Like that's, you, you're like I did not see that coming. Like I didn't see that. You know, just learning the ins and outs of that game uh, and the story in it and exploring that world is just, even today, five years later, all the glitches and issues aside, um, it really gets you in the mood to play. Perhaps the first big you know, maybe the second big game release of 2022 after Dying Light, which is Horizon Forbidden West, which just came out. So we're going to transition yeah. smoothly into the news. That smoothly. game dropped. The reviews are out. They are nothing short of extraordinary. Nothing short of game of the year. Um, Like this is probably from what I have read on a, the little bit that I've read on Twitter, I haven't really read any of the reviews because I don't want to spoil anything for myself. I've just looked at the scores. Um, on average, it does seem to be scoring a little bit lower than the previous game, like overall. Um, I think apparently there's some bugs in the game that have distracted people. And that first game was such a tour de force that, you know, this game has a lot of ways it can improve. And that's kind of the general consensus is that the game is vastly improved over the first one. But I think standards of games have gotten way better as well. So kind of you have to normalize it. 
You know, if Zero Dawn was released today, I don't think it would be a 9 out of 10 game. I think it would probably be closer to like an 8 out of 10 game. But Horizon Forbidden West feels like a 9 out of 10 game, and that's about where it's falling on the scale. Um, So uh, a nice thing that they're doing, um, they are doing a play and plant a tree program. Um, So for the first basically month and a half through March 25th, um, for every player that unlocks the Reach the Daunt trophy, um, they're going to plant a tree across the country to help complete three forest restoration projects, one in Wisconsin, one in California, and one in Florida. Awesome. Um, and it's a very achievable trophy. Um, basically, it is when you leave the post, the, like the tutorial area of the game. Uh, so usually within the first two or three hours is when you'll get there from what I've read. So it's not even like a hard achievement. It's just, you know, so basically they're just planting a bunch of trees, which is awesome. It is awesome. Um, But yeah, so uh, I will be playing that tonight and this next week. So I will be back next week to talk about Horizon Forbidden West and how I feel it stacks up to the original um, based on what I'm able to play um, over the next week. So exciting. Exciting. It's nice we're finally getting out of like the the winter dead zone of video games, and we're coming into the spring and the late winter and spring when games just start coming out <clears throat> like a it fire nice. hose. I mean, yeah. we had what two weeks ago was a uh, dying light. Yeah, two weeks dying ago. light, and then last week Horizon, this yep. week Elden, Elden Ring. Ring. Oh, yeah. also technically Destiny Two, The Witch Queen. Yeah, The Witch Queen DLC drops this week. Um. Yeah. No. It's it's a lot of games. They're just coming fast and fast and loose now. So I'll be having my eye on the Open Critic homepage to kind of see what's coming out. And um, you know, I think the first big release of the year was probably uh the Pokemon game. Yep. Arceus. Um. Yeah. Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh. You have Lost Ark that just came out, obviously. Um. But coming soon, you've got Destiny Two. You've got uh, the expansion. You got Elden Ring, Gran Turismo Seven. On PlayStation comes out in March. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, um, Kirby Excited. and the Forgotten Land, which was a Kirby game that was announced at the Nintendo Direct that we did not talk about, um, but that looks good. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo comes out next month. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of games coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, some of them we will not be able to cover just because we can't buy every game. Um, True. But, you know, well, I mean, we'll be between between me, you, and uh... And Matt. Matt, we should be able to. I, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I'm just kind I'm, of like you buy this one, we'll buy this one, I buy yeah. this one. Like I said, he he's he's the resident person to hit on the Souls games, so Elden Ring is kind of his baby. I told him that early on. I was like, I ain't playing. Like I ain't gonna try to review that game. That's not for me. I like, will be reviewing Tiny Tina's. That will uh, be my baby. Yeah, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is a game I'm looking forward to. Um, as for me, there's not really a lot coming out in the next couple of months for me. <laughs> Tiny Team of the Wonderland is kind of the big game that I'm looking forward to post Horizon. Um, I'm not really a big racing person, so Gran you know, Turismo is pointless. Gran Turismo is is not really for me. Um, so maybe the Kirby game might be the game that I pick up and and play because <laughs> that game just looks yeah. really fun. And give it a shot. Yeah. And yeah, so lots of games coming out in 2022, including 
brand new Warzone experience developed by Infinity Ward. Um, and they are, uh, it's unclear if this is a big update or a sequel, but the rumor is that this is a sequel to Warzone, that it is going to be its own client separate from the Call of Duty game, so you don't have to download both of them. You can download one or the other. Um, but yeah, so big new Warzone coming later this year. So, so excited. Are you? No. No? <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Um, I think I'm, battle rails are pointless. Okay. Well, ex- explain. So, <clears throat> with Fortnite, great game, up to about Season 3. But okay. you had Fortnite come out, they were doing so well. PUBG came out. Call of Duty came out. Like, everybody had to release a battle royale. Like, oh, what was the The Culling. That was another game that came out. Uh, if you remember, The Division made their own Battle Royale. I don't know if you ever played that. No. They did. They made the whole map a Battle Royale to where the zone slowly closed. And it was actually a DLC. So every game started adapting these, and it just mm-hmm. it burnt out. Yeah. I don't, I don't find the fun of dropping somewhere, you know, getting some loot for about 10 minutes, and then just dying. And then <laughs> restarting. I firmly disagree with you. There is something super compelling about that gameplay loop for me. I love that gameplay loop. Just dropping in with nothing, having to get your shit and, you know, try to kill all these other people. Like there's something and and to be on top like that. There's something about it that's different from traditional shooting games. That is like that I'm kind of at my wits end of traditional Call of Duty multiplayer is I'm like, eh, you know, it's run around this map that half the people think is will really well designed and the other half of people think sucks. And, you know, you see somebody and you hope that you saw them first. Well, you know, there's I, a lot more strategy when you have such a giant map. You can kind of, you know, plan ahead a couple steps. Work take around things, take things. things slower, you know, really work as a team to kind of come out on top um but like i said from Fortnite season one two to three all the games that were coming out like PUBG loved it you know when the black ops battle royale came out loved it i just feel like it's it's a burnt out game mode that that is my only opinion it's kind of i would i would agree with you that maybe it's reached a point where we there's a lot of them there's, I they like are, there's too many of them. there's they're the biggest games they are that's what people want to play, man. They want to play Battle never, Royales. Never could get into Apex. Never could get into Warzone. I'm surprised I got into Tarkov. Because that's basically a Battle Royale, just a much smaller scale. Yeah, much smaller scale Battle Royale, yeah. I, I like... So, I liked PUBG a lot. I thought PUBG was very buggy, very broken. Um, that's what and, made it great. you know, a lot of people liked it. I thought that it detracted from it. And so I was one of the first people that like one of the earlier people in like kind of my age group that was like, you know what, PUBG is great, but you come over here to Fortnite and this game, like it may be a little more childish and a little more kiddie in its art style. And it's not as, you know, hardcore as PUBG is, but the game works 
and it runs well and it's enjoyable to play because you don't have to worry about your game crashing or freezing or the frame rate being garbage and some guy turning all of the details down to to low so he can run it at 60 frames per second while you're struggling to run it at 30 because you know the game's just poorly optimized um but you know Fortnite lit a fire under PUBG's ass when it came out and PUBG got better as a result of it but by that point for me I was like okay Fortnite's not my thing because it's just too many kids and PUBG wasn't getting faster or wasn't getting better fast enough. So I right. ended up falling into uh, blackout in call of duty and for a few weeks it was pretty okay. But then I was just like, there's, there's nothing here. Like this is, this isn't, it doesn't have the same longevity to me as these other games. And that's when apex legends came out. And Apex Legends was the first battle royale that I really like dived into, and really enjoyed. It's like and the now only one that I didn't dive into and really get into. I, I like the combination of the hero, sh the, like the hero shooter elements with the abilities, with the you start with nothing and you have to get your shit together and and go. And it, the pacing was a bit better. Um, it just it was. The first one that was kind of like the complete package for me. And then Warzone is is also right up there. But those are the only two that I really care to play. Enjoy. Yeah. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad if more battle royales came out if they were doing things differently. Um I would like to see a Halo battle royale personally. I, would, I think I take that back. I would like to see a Halo battle royale. If only to see how it comes out. It, it doesn't even have to be good. I just like to see them try. But um, I think other than that, I'm kind of with you. There's, I think we've hit a point where everybody has a battle royale they can go to. Like if you're a kid and you want to play something that's kind of more targeted towards kids, you've got Fortnite. If you want to play something that is, you know, if you're a Call of Duty person and you want to play a battle royale that kind of mimics that play style and that feel, you have Warzone. If you want, if you're like an Overwatch or a Team Fortress player that really likes your your hero shooters, you've got Apex Legends. You know, and I guess Halo would round it out if they did one. It would. Um, and then no more. They, all the companies would have to no shake more. hands. No more battle royals. Yeah, I think that the big thing with Call of Duty is Warzone needs to be separate from the mainline games. Because I agree with Infinity Ward, who very politely, but still clearly called out the rest of the studios when, you know, because Warzone has kind of gotten a little bloated and a little not as good as it used to be. And Infinity Ward was like, yeah, no, that's because they keep having to adapt this game to the latest Call of Duty rather than letting Warzone be what it is. So I think it being separate will be a benefit for Warzone in the long run. I agree. To exist alongside the traditional Call of Duty. And I think that'll also allow the mainline Call of Duty games, like I said in the very first episode when we were talking about Microsoft buying Activision, give one studio Warzone, let them focus exclusively on Warzone, and then let these other studios focus on really good multiplayer and a really good like action movie campaign. That's what Call of Duty is known for. Let them focus on that, and then let this other studio focus on the Battle Royale. 
and maybe work with those teams to integrate some elements of those games into the into the br when the new game comes out kind of like a kind of like a fortnite chapter system to where as fortnite chapters come out they change up the map yeah so as call of duty games come out they they add maps in maybe not add maps or change them but maybe like Incorporate um, them some way. Incorporate weapons from those games and... Oh, that would be cool, actually. Skins from the games, you know, characters from the games, since they have the operators in those games. Incorporate those elements in, and then just engine technology. So, like, if, if it's possible to import some of the improvements in the game engine from the latest Call of Duty into Warzone without fucking it up, do right. that. Do that. Make the game better each time a new Call of Duty comes out. But I wouldn't maybe go and do new maps because I think that... And I would... If you're going to do it, you got to do it the Fortnite way where it completely replaces the existing map. Because I think once you start having multiple maps that players can choose between, you start splitting your player base. Well, not... Not like a uh, make a brand new map, but like Fortnite has their map. They'll take off pieces of their map and add a few more pieces. Like swap out locations, basically. Yeah. Updates, yeah. No, yeah. that would work. That would work. But I think the core map needs to stay the same. Yeah, you know? I agree. Or if you're going to have multiple like multiple maps, like a PUBG, which has multiple battle arenas, I would not let players choose which one they get. It would just be random. So that way, you don't have the problem of people are like, well, I don't like that map, so I'm just going to exclusively queue up for this map like they do in PUBG, so you have a better matchmaking experience um, if nobody can pick which map they get. Correct. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what Infinity Ward does with Call of Duty this year. I think 2021 was a dud for Call of Duty between Warzone Pacific and Vanguard. I just... it Neither of them really got me. I played Warzone Pacific for a couple matches and was like, it's not... It's a neat idea, a World War II battle royale. Like, on paper, it sounds really good. In practice, it's okay. It's not that great? I think if they had committed and, like, only let you play that version, maybe it would be a bit better. Um, But I feel I understand the decision. Like, we're not going to nuke regular... We're just, yeah, we're not going to nuke regular Warzone for that. Yeah. But yeah. definitely we'll be playing it when it comes out. Whenever this big update comes out. I I probably won't be, but you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to your your, your review on it. It's, it's okay. You, do, it. you don't have to like Battle Royales. It's fine. Uh, no, it's I'll just stick to my Battle Royale of Tarkov. Yes. So you're still playing that as well? Or did you not play any of that of that this week? I haven't played this. I haven't played Tarkov that this week, but I'm sure you'll play more. Yeah, I'm sure sometime. Unless I just love Lars Ark so much that it just blows my mind out the water, and I just can't get away from my monitor to play something yeah. else. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Be playing Tarkov. Yeah, I don't know if it'll blow your mind and and grab you like it's grabbed me. But it's a great game, um, unless you're in Europe, and then the game is unplayable. um there are so many people trying to play that game in europe and clearly the developers of the game and amazon 
who publishes the game in the United States and Europe, uh, they uh, apparently they prioritize North America, even though there's more people playing in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. Because North America, like when the game came out, the day before the game came out, they basically said, "You will, we're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to create new characters on this these servers that have been available." In early in the early access period because there's too many players on them and we want them to make sure that they can get into the game while they're playing and then like the day after it came out that had been completely resolved and only one north american server was still locked to new players um but the the server that matt was on was never even on the list so i was able to create a character there no problem um but in europe it was pretty much um you couldn't you couldn't you get just into queues that were hours long, like several hours long to get into the game. Um, you know, tens of thousands of people in the queues to get onto the servers. And uh, apparently at one point over the weekend last, uh, hundreds of thousands of players were in a queue trying to get into the login to the game to then pick a server that may already be full. Sounds like, isn't that... Isn't that the same thing with New World? And it was developed by Amazon. Uh, it, it was published by Amazon. I don't remember the name of the of the of the developer, um, but I don't remember if I think that game had some server issues at launch. Um, but a lot of the, <laughs> that game's issues were more technical and like with duping and things like that. And that game has basically dropped off and died at this point. Yeah. Um, but this game, they've done a very good job at getting, at least in the United States and Canada, they've done a very good job at getting everything kind of resolved to where you're not really waiting in queues to get in. You're, you're basically just in and good to go. Europe is apparently proving to be, um, uh, proving to be a problem um, for them. They're launching a new server region in order to add more servers to hopefully alleviate the problem. Um, but I remember seeing on Reddit the other day that it was basically just, you know, you would you finally got into the game and then you would be beset with the server screen and every single one of the European servers was full. And so you waited hours and hours and hours to get into the game and then you had to sit at the server screen because you could not get in. Well, we'll yeah. see how that goes tonight. Yeah, See, so it's actually worth waiting, you know, well, the hours and hours. You're and hours. in North America. So yeah, I don't should... have to. I don't have to wait. But of course, while I'm while I'm playing, I'll be like, "Are people really waiting ten hours to get into this? Yes, is it, <laughs> is it really this good? Yes. Um, so, by the way, if you want to be able to play with me, you need to be on the server named Carta. Carta. K A R T A. Yeah. K A R T A. But yeah, that's the server that I'm on. That server is. Busy-ish, but I haven't had to wait in a queue. Um, but it seems to be a populated server. But yeah, no, long queue times um, in Europe. So if you are a European who wants to play Lost Ark... Um, sucks to suck. I mean, there's always... <laughs> yeah, it sucks to suck. There's always the... Uh, you could just go into a North American server. Um, but then you're going to have to deal with higher latency and ping and all that stuff, which may make the game a little less enjoyable to play. Um, but if you're in, if you're in North America, then the game is perfectly playable. I do hope that they fix this quickly 
um, because it is a stain on an otherwise good game. So I do hope that they that they fix it. Um, now, while Lost Ark may be a legitimately good game with some server issues, uh, EA released a legitimately bad game last year called Battlefield 2042. I don't know if you heard about it. Yes, I did. It was probably the most hyped up game besides Cyberpunk that I've ever seen. Yeah. And it, just like Cyberpunk, flunked. Yes, it... <laughs> It has lost about 90% of its player base um, since it launched, um, and EA publicly finally acknowledged that the uh, game was a failure at their company town hall postmortem, and they did two things. So one thing that they had to then like publicly walk back was that they kind of implied that the reason Battlefield 2042 was a failure was because Halo Infinite's multiplayer launched for free unexpectedly? Uh, I don't I don't know about that one. There's a lot more than just another game launching. Yeah. It that spawned is, a lot of memes. Yeah. <laughs> it was I feel like Halo launching their free multiplayer had a small little hit on their multiplayer base. Yeah. The whole game was just bugged out. Mhm garbage not a fan of it that's just it i think that the reason that halo came out early was because of this was because battlefield 2042 did not get a glowing reception in its open beta and call of duty vanguard was not lighting the world on fire and so microsoft saw an opportunity to just be like well hey the multiplayer is done and it's free let's just throw it out there and it hit and take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to maybe have a chance to unseat one of these for the year. Um, I think that Halo has squandered a lot of that um, lead that it got from that, because the multiplayer, there's just a lot about... that They just haven't done a lot with it yet, Um, and it's missing a lot of things, but I think it'll eventually get there. Um, But the other thing they did is they... They admitted, which I can't believe, I guess maybe they didn't expect this to become public. That has to be the reason. But they basically admitted that they've historically had issues with bugs in dice games like Battlefront and Battlefield at launch. And that the bug count for 2042 fell into a range that they would have expected. So that they were totally expecting that the number of bugs in Battlefield 2042 would be between X and Y. It fell in between that. And so they believed that, yeah, it's buggy, but we'll put it out there and DICE will fix it because they've been very good at doing that in the past and fixing their games post-launch. And then they basically said that apparently that's not what people want anymore. When was it ever? Weird. I don't think I've ever openly wanted to buy a buggy game that you you can't even play. Yeah. I mean, looking back at even like Battlefield... Battlefield 4, Battlefield 1. I I don't recall them being as buggy as when they were released. Battlefield 4 was a mess at launch. Not nearly as bad as 2042. Not as bad as 2042, but it was a mess at launch. But once they got it fixed up, it was a legitimately good game underneath. This isn't. Very bare bone. 2042 is just not a a good game underneath of it. Like... You launched a multiplayer first-person shooter that is objective-oriented and team-based, 
without in-game voice chat. <laughs> like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, man, they need to fire that dude. At Who made, who's the head of the fucking EA? The, the head, the, the CEO is Andrew Wilson, who looks like a Bond villain and sounds like a Bond villain. All right, we need to get that man out of here. After that game. He ain't going nowhere as long as Ultimate Team is making billions of dollars. You know what? that was I his will, idea. I will give up Ultimate Team <laughs> if 2042 does not exist. If yeah, they can no. just take it back. I I don't know what they, like, I, I guess they just didn't understand that the reason, like, yes, Battlefield 4 was a buggy game when it came out. And Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 5 had their share of bugs as well. But that's a, for some reason... Games today, whether it's a consequence of their size and scope or development times, whatever, and the more competitive release environment, games are buggier today at launch than they have been. I think part of the reason for that is day one patches, so developers don't feel the need to fix bugs before the game is finished. They can wait till the game is done, and then they can always just release a patch on the first day to fix a whole bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you don't download that patch, the game is probably just unplayably bad yeah um but yeah no (laughs) Uh, ea apparently there is a there's a chart that says if your game falls between this and this bug count you're good you're good as long as you promise to fix it wow Uh, which explains a lot that that explains uh, for me that explains anthem that explains mass effect andromeda like it explains, explains madden it explains every game they make as to why it explains uh, Jedi Fallen Order being as buggy as it was, as good of a game as it was. It was a yeah. buggy, stuttery mess. And it the only reason that people like myself put up with how bad the game was from a technical perspective was because the story and the gameplay were so compelling as a Star Wars fan and as someone who's kind of not ever really been into that style of game, but this game just grabbed me a different way but it just explains so much about why EA games are the messes that they are. Cause they let it be that way. They just release a game. They're like, Oh, if it got around 23,000 to 43,000 bugs, then <laughs> you can, you can put it up on the market. You're good. You're good. Just promise after, after a year and a half, they'll, you know, 5,000 will be gone. I need, I need someone to like, really like what is the bug count range? Like, what is it? It has to be something crazy. Like, it. I mean, I don't think it's in the tens of thousands, but I, I would be surprised if that is not, if the range isn't at least, you know, somewhere in the, like, regular single-digit thousands. Like, it's probably in there. It's probably, like, on the low end is, like, maybe several hundred bugs to, you know, because bugs, sometimes you have a bug in a game that, doesn't really affect the game. So it's not really a priority to fix it. It's like, there's a bug here that one in a one in 10,000 times might, you know, present in this way that doesn't impact gameplay. So we're not going to focus it. Whereas you have another bug that's like 10% of the time, this bug rears its ugly head and corrupts the person's save after they've played the game for 20 hours. Oh, 
And that um, is how you lose a fan base. And and so, you know, that bug needs to be prioritized because you don't want those save corruption bugs to get in there. Because the last thing you want to do is lose tens of hours of progress. Yeah. Um, or, or hundreds of hours of progress, depending on what it is. Um, I mean, save corruption, but then there's some save corruption bugs that you, it's just like, there's nothing we can do about it. I think Skyrim has a save corruption bug that if like, once you've played that game for a certain amount of time, like it's the, the save file is so big that the game just is like, I can't, I can't do this and just gives up on it, but you have to play it for a very long time or have a shitload of mods installed and you got to really work to break those saves. But I think on the PS3, they had a really bad one that got out there. So, yeah, but I lie. So when we, when I was putting this doc together, I lined up two failures right next to each other. <laughs> Battlefield 2042 and Cyberpunk 2077. You purposely lined that up, didn't you? I did. I lined them up right next to each other um, so that Easy we could talk. Segue. We could. Yeah, we could talk about two horrible games. Um, well, Cyberpunk 2077 got a big fucking update uh, this week. So I have the game installed on my computer because I did try to get back into it and I haven't uninstalled it. This mm-hmm. patch was 40 gigabytes. Oh my God. Yes. 40 gigabytes? 40 For gigabytes. For an update. For an update. Um, this is also the update that includes the next-gen versions of the game for PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. Um, and in- includes a slew of updates. Apparently thousands of bug fixes was the ter- was the word that they used. Um for the other versions of the game. I don't know if this makes the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One version of the game playable. Um, I have not tried to play the game since the patch came out. Um, But I will say one thing that they also did that is super awesome is they are releasing a free limited time trial of the game for PS5 and Series X. So between now and March 15th, you can download that trial, play the game, see if the game works well and runs well for you, and you can transfer your progress to the full game if you decide to buy the full game. Um, Is this a trial through Steam? uh, No. So this is only on the next-gen systems. Um, So basically, they have two graphics modes on the the next-gen systems. They have... Uh, a performance mode and a ray tracing mode. Um, plus, I think they have just a normal, they might have just have a normal mode, but the performance mode uh, is 60 FPS with dynamic 4K, and then the ray tracing mode is, um, let's see here, uh, basically photorealistic shadow and reflection rendering um, at 30 FPS with dynamic 4K scaling. Um and they've added performance improvements that decrease FPS drops. Um, they've added new apartments. Um, temporary buffs added for some actions in the apartments. Uh, you can tweak features of your appearance when using the mirrors in apartments. They've, Ooh. yeah, they have adjusted combat AI, made improvements to the crowd and driving models, vehicle traffic. They've rebalanced a bunch of stuff. Um, from in the game uh it's made certain play styles in the in the base game just unviable in the new version um they've added new content uh in your stash uh 
improved NPC behavior, rebalanced and removed and changed perks, and all of your perk points have been re- have been reset. Um, so if you you know had your character fully decked out, you'll have to redo everything. Um, just a a huge huge update to this game. Um, apparently the ray tracing on PC looks a little bit better now. Um, they've added a benchmark. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. I think it's, I think it's a step in the right direction, except yeah. especially for how bad the game launched, how buggy it was. It's kind of showing mm-hmm. that they're willing kind of like go the extra mile to make sure that this game is still playable. Yes. I'm sure there's a great story beneath the surface of bugs. You just have to like put your hand and dig through the bugs and then you'll mm-hmm. get to the story. But I feel like that's I feel like it's it's kind of pulling the no man's sky. Where they're yeah. just they're just releasing update after update after update until it finally collectively gets better. I hope so. I mean I really do. Um I mean before this was announced, there was a rumor that they were going to be talking about the next gen patch. Uh, nobody thought it was going to drop the same day they talked about it. And nobody thought that it was going to be an extensive, like just, it makes sense now that they stopped patching it last year. Like this makes sense that they were just, you know, they were like, you know what, this game is broken and we need to, rather than like releasing these hot fixes every few weeks that are fixing some element of the game and possibly breaking others. We need to just Mm -hmm. stop and focus on fixing this game. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm, I'm actually interested in possibly booting it back up. I'm interested in buying it because when I saw how buggy it was, I didn't, but yeah, right now it's actually on sale. So as the current date is, February nineteenth. It's on sale for I think thirty bucks. Yeah, so, I mean, so this would be a great time to get it. Maybe, maybe. So I would I would love to see them fix this game and kind of rebuild some of their reputation. Um, I, I don't think they're ever going to fully recover from the launch of this game in the sense that people are always going to be a little hesitant to buy a game that they've made for the fear that it might be as bad as this game was at launch. Um, but if they can get it to where it needs to be and fix it and kind of maybe not do a full no man's sky, but even a partial no man's sky would be, would be better than nothing. I mean, better than what they started with, better than what they started with. At least steps Um, in the right direction. Exactly. And speaking of no man's sky, um, Sean Murray, the head of Hello Games that makes No Man's Sky um, has said that they, as many updates as they've done since the launch of this game and as many items that they've checked off the list of things that they wanted to add to the game, that list is not get has not gotten shorter and they are continuing, going to continue to do more and more and more updates on that game um, that is nowhere close to finished. I think that is outstanding. I didn't even realize that it just got another update this week. I they update this game so much. I love No Man's Sky. I think it's like I said, I've said I think episode one. 
it is single-handedly the best video game comeback story. With I, how I'd bad the launch was, and from looking at it from day one to now, I, I'm happy that they didn't give up on the game. Like they after launch, they heard all the negative feedback. They're like, "All right, we'll take it, and then we'll work with what you said, and we'll fix that." And then yeah. they just fixed it and added more. I love it. Yeah, no, I definitely <clears throat> I've avoided this game a lot due to the sour taste it left in people's mouths at the beginning. And then the very little bit that I did play, it was just, I don't know what it was. It just wasn't grabbing me, but I will say that I, it's impressive just how much support that they've given this game for sure. It really is. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy that they have not given up on a game like this. I mean, there's not many games that you can load in and it's just, an endless amount of planets and you can just go wherever you want and yeah. build anywhere on the planet. Like it's, I think it's a, it's a great idea. It's kind of like one of those games as a child that you would be like, if I was to make a game, what would I make? The ultimate it's, space game, the ultimate space game, star citizen, but actually released, um, and not a money laundering operation. I, I'm no so man's bug. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad No Man's Sky exists because I am 95% sure that Star Citizen, which is kind of the game that pre- preceded No Man's Sky, is kind of this ultimate space sim game. Um, I, I'm 95% sure that that has just turned into a money laundering operation because yeah, that game's been in development for like, you know, 10 plus years. They've raised half a billion dollars and the game is still nowhere close to coming out um so we've covered this <laughs> we we've are, you have to put quotations around it around it what the early. uh oh you you just said it oh early man. access early access it's, yes but yeah. early access it's, it's not <laughs> they, they released it it's it would i haven't played it i i can probably assume it was really buggy and they just called it early access well, it's the thing is, is it's not even like it's it's in quote unquote early access in that you can if you pay them a lot of money, you can play it what they have. But there's not even a game there yet from what I've heard. Like, it's just like different components of what could become a game. But half it itself, a million dollars, half a billion dollars, billion with a B. Oh, billion? Half a billion over the last 10 years that people have paid them for like ships and shit for a game that I don't think is ever coming out. If I'm being honest. When it does, those people that paid all that money are going to get the best ships in the game. I will be surprised if it comes out. Honestly. I will be surprised. I doubt it comes out. I really do. I doubt it comes out. I'm in the wrong business. I need to start a money laundering game uh, honestly yeah like come up with a game that people want and bam you know open world star wars doing it here i'm telling you that's where it's at gta 6 <laughs> jeez gta 6 in early access wouldn't that be something that would be something um <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it's an it's a new month. It's uh, the middle of the month, actually. Um, we're not. I mean, we're not even done with the month. Um, but Microsoft has announced a slew of games coming to Game Pass between now and the end of the month. Um, 
including uh, Madden, which is ex- which is obvious because the Super Bowl just happened. Yes. Um, so that's usually when that game gets added to EA Play. Um, Total War Warhammer Three uh, is coming on is available day one on PC Game Pass. Glad I didn't pre-order that or buy it because gonna be able to play that with my subscription. Yes. Uh, Robo Quest in game preview is coming to PC. It's a roguelite playable in a roguelite FPS. Um, I don't know anything about that game. Um, Galactic Civilizations Three uh, is coming to PC on February twenty fourth. Uh, Super Mega Baseball 3 is coming to console as part Which, of EA Play on February 24th. To me, does not make any sense because uh, Microsoft finally got MLB The Show on their consoles and then they're still making a child baseball game. Well, I mean, that's EA. So, and EA Play is bundled. So that's the other thing about this is that like these lists that Microsoft releases now, they include the EA Play games in them. So, because, I mean, you get EA Play with Game Pass, but these aren't technically Game Pass games. They're EA games that have been, that are added to EA Play. Same with Alice Madness Returns, which is coming February 28th. Um, And Lawn Mowing Simulator, Game of the Year Lawn Mowing Simulator. Game of the Year. um, Is available now on PC and Xbox Series X and S. Now? Um, It will be coming to Xbox One regular Xbox One and Xbox One X later it was originally slated for the 17th but a couple of days before that they came out and said hey it's actually not coming out yet um so yeah lots of games lots of games uh lawn mowing simulator potentially potentially game of the year for sure it's Uh, gonna be up there with uh arc 2 and Half of a uh, cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> <laughs> Again, arc two. I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I, I just, I, I would love to be proven wrong. Nobody but sees I it. I don't see it. Nobody sees it. I see many point, games potentially being in that a, conversation. It's just a joke of a game. That's all it is. It's a meme game. It is a meme game. I see a lot of games potentially in that conversation, but that's not one of them for sure. Um, so now, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna jump in the list. I know I put this in order, but I'm actually gonna skip this story for a second because mm-hmm. I want to come back to that um, really quickly. Hit some TV and film stuff. Um, so Halo um, is there's a new show on Paramount Plus set in the Halo universe. Um, it is getting a second season uh, before the first season has even come out. Um, yeah. So. Uh, the first season crazy. starts on March 24th. I watched the trailer for that show. I don't know if you watched it. I have not. Um, it looks all right. Um, it's weird, but it looks okay. I- I'm going to give it a chance. Cortana doesn't uh, look like Cortana, though. She looks weird. I don't, I don't. I'm just not a big fan on video games turning to TV shows or... Like, I don't know, there's always some aspect that they, they just do something wrong. And I'm, I'm just like, this is not it. Yeah. So, I mean, I may watch an episode or two, but I don't I don't see myself getting hooked on that. I, I'm going to give it a shot. I, I give most TV shows, I have a rule, which is every TV show gets a season. A season? A nah. season. Um, and the reason, the reason for this is I have two shows that I absolutely 
adored that actually three shows that I absolutely adored that I wasn't a hundred percent sold on them in the, the first parts of the season. So breaking bad is a show that I did not get into until like the end of that first season. Okay. Um, the walking dead, it took about half to almost two thirds of that season for me to get into it. And Game of Thrones, I was like the first episode ends and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But even then, like some of that stuff, I was like, I don't know. Like this is I don't know if this is for me. And it wasn't until the like episode, the end of episode nine that I was like, I'm sold. Well, so that's everybody. Yeah. Literally everybody who watches Game of Thrones after the first, they're like, all right, I, I dig it. And then they're just. Kind of like things whatever. slow down a bit and you're yeah. like okay we're doing some world building and then things start to heat up again but like it took me for those three shows and those three shows like i haven't i haven't watched walking dead past season six because i'm like i i fell off that show hard after a while because i was like it's just the same shit just different people yeah um but those three shows are all shows that i absolutely adore and it took me the entirety almost of an, of a season, the 100 on the CW is another example. Like it took me the entire first season of that show to really kind of get into it. And then I just absolutely fell in love with that show. It's fantastic. So I have a rule now that every show gets a season for me to be, for me to watch it and get interested. And if at the end of the first season, I'm not interested, then I don't give it any more chances. And usually the show get, gets canceled at that point. You are crazy. I would never give us if I if I after like the first three episodes, I'm not feeling it. That's it. No more. Not a, not another season. Just no more. Because yeah, I feel I just feel like sometimes that's three episodes isn't enough. Like it, I mean, it really depends. Like if I'm watching the show and there's no redeeming qualities about the show or there's nothing that is interesting me, then yeah, I'm probably not going to give it a full season of my time. But if it's a show that friends have recommended or that family has recommended, they really, really like, they think I'll like, and there's elements of the show that I'm like, okay, I could see how this could be interesting, but maybe it just needs a little more time to develop. Um, Then I give it the full season to kind of hook me. So Halo, the concept of a Halo TV show is not terrible, but doesn't look great from what I've seen. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, to go back a little bit, I do want to, I do want to ask you something. Okay. I I know recently you've been watching Attack on Titan. Yes. You gave that a season. How'd you feel after the first one? I gave it a season, and the first season I gave like an eight out of ten. Like I really liked it, but it, okay. the first the first half of that season, roughly, I was kind of like, I don't know if I like this. Like I I was like the, the main character was annoying and still is <laughs> still is kind of no he is not um Stop my that. own personal thought he's uh, so I, I i gave you my top five list the other day when we were talking yes. and yes. aaron was number five yes. he has now been bumped out of the top right. five and well thank you guys for listening to the podcast <laughs> we're gonna go ahead <laughs> armin is now in fifth place now technically technically um, there is a character in the top five of my list that is dead um, now, Don't. so I'm not going to spoil yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I know you, who you're sh- talking about. You should know who I'm talking about. 
Um, so yes. by on a technicality for season four, Aaron gets bumped back into the top five because that character will no longer be in the show. You are. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. We're going to have a little conversation after this podcast. And it may change. It may change. Don't get me wrong. It may change. Yes, it will change. Take take your list, throw it out the window. <laughs> Literally I don't know. burn I don't, your list. I don't think you can pry Levi from the first spot. You don't think so? I don't think so. And I, I just don't I, think you can do it. Mm. I, if the show does it, I'll be surprised. You know what? You know what? Every time he's on screen, I'm just like, Daddy. Oh my <laughs> No. Every time. Bad Tyler. No. <laughs> Look, what episode is this? Nine? Yeah. Episode episode ten. I'll bring this back up. This will be one of our opening discussions. And I want you to admit, depending on how much you've watched of season that four. Aaron is not only in your top five, but top three. Okay. Okay. I, I will, I will, uh, do I need to come prepared with an essay if he's not? Like, <laughs> yes, come prepared. I need to come prepared with an explanation. You, yes, okay. you will. And I, mm. I mean, season three, he got his first bit of character development. Like the entire time he's just been this obnoxious brat. And then he finally got some character development in season three where I was like, oh, he realizes he's a brat. This is development. Like, let's let's go from here. You know what? No. No. Matter of fact, I'm going to do one better. I'm going to watch it with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see your face change when you look over to me and you just like, I know that you know that I'm right. Okay. Okay. That's all I need. And then I'll leave. Okay. We'll, we'll see. Need- we'll see what happens. In your head, you're going to be like, damn. Damn, the, the dumbest rug of mine is correct. <laughs> the dumbest rug I know was correct about this. Um, yes. I, we'll see. We'll see. Again, three seasons in, and I'm still not totally sold on his character. Um, his character has become more interesting, but he's still not like cracked into he's... those top characters that I really, really like. So we'll see. Nah. nah. Levi we'll who? See. Levi who? I, again, I just don't think that's going to happen. Levi I who? don't think that's going to happen. I don't I don't know Levi. All I know is Aaron Yeager. That's all I know. Okay. So one through five, Aaron Yeager. <laughs> just one through – if I could make a one through five list, it, it is just Aaron Yeager, and you're just lengthening his name out. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. Uh, this quickly became an Attack on Titan podcast. Um, it has. Which I'm not doing. No, I'm not doing that. I don't. I want to. I don't want to drive off the people who aren't into anime. Um, Fair so, enough. Um, well, so since we were talking about TV shows, and we got a little off topic. Netflix is apparently going to make a Bioshock movie. Um, so that's out there. Uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what? Enough said. <laughs> Enough said. I first, so first of all, Bioshock. Um, I have not played any of them. Um, I I also have not played. Any I of am them. not a huge horror game person, so I just have always kind of strayed away from them because of the horror elements. I played a little bit of Bioshock Infinite because it looked a little less horror esque um, and a bit more like just fascism satire, which I could get behind. 
Um, but uh, I the little bit that I've seen of people playing Bioshock, I don't think it would make a great movie. I think a lot about what makes that game special is the is the game, like the actual moment to moment gameplay and the story itself is decent and good for a game, but I don't think you could really make a good movie out of it. And also Netflix and adaptations. I'm good. Please. No, you don't, you don't like them. I just, I've heard what they've done. I haven't watched enough anime to really understand the hate that Netflix gets in adapting anime stories to live action. Um, Oh, I understand. And so, and like, apparently, like The Witcher is, if you if you have not read the books, it's a great show. If you have read the books, it's a horrible show. Um, from what I've understood, from what I understand. I, to be completely honest, did not know that there were Witcher books. I also did not. Until that show came out. And then I was like, I thought the game, I thought this was a show based on the game. Turns out it's a show based on the books that are that are what the game is based on. Um, I also did not realize that. So yeah. So if but I played I, the game, I know the ending of the TV show. I don't know. I don't think so. Huh. I think it's a different story. Like there's a, apparently there's a lot of Witcher books. I don't know exactly. That's a world I don't really want to get into. But yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm not excited. But if it looks good, you know, maybe I'll check it out. Um. But yeah, no, I'm not super. It, it, it is what it is. They're making a Bioshock movie, so that is what it is. Not excited, not disappointed. Oh, I don't know. Oh, we'll yeah. see exactly. Read some I don't reviews know. before I watch it. It's uh, so apparently it's coming out later this year. But there, there's a Borderlands movie that's being made. Oh, and um, oh. I think it comes out later this year. Uh, so. Sounds like Uncharted inspired a bunch of other companies. I, I guess so. Um, so it's it's being made by Lionsgate. It's got a pretty stacked cast. Um, the Borderlands or the Bioshock? The Borderlands movie. Um, it has Kate Blanchett as Lilith. Uh, Kevin Hart as Roland. Jack, no shot. Jack Black as Claptrap. No um, shot. J- Jamie Lee Curtis as Patricia Tannis. Uh, Ariana Greenblatt is Tiny Tina. Like it's got a pretty stacked cast for a video game movie, uh, and it's supposedly coming out eventually. I don't know. I thought it was supposed to come out this year, but apparently it is not. Um, but what? yeah, it, it, we'll see. It's done shooting, from what I've heard. Uh, but we will we will see what that game movie looks like. But yeah, Uncharted just came out, and that movie is apparently going to make a decent amount of money this weekend. And uh, it's got mediocre reviews, but apparently it's not horrible. I'm, I might actually go check it out. Huh. Um, as someone who absolutely loves the Uncharted games, also uh, they are absolutely fantastic. Um, I would like to see what what Sony decided an Uncharted movie looks like. Cause those games are already just movies that you yeah. play through that you play through. So I mean it's like a I, I would say Telltale is like a little movie. I would say there's a little bit more gameplay in Uncharted. Yeah. Uh, well yeah, but, but like the, the I, I see what you're saying. The overall scheme. The move it's a movie quality story. 
I guess is what yeah. I would say. Um, yeah. Movie quality story, television show length, video game. Should be starring, uh, what's his name? Tom Cruise instead of Tom Holland. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> Nathan Fillion. That's who should have been. That should have been Drake, but no, that was I mean, years ago. The Uncharted games just seem like a like a huge Tom Cruise movie, if you really just think about it. Yeah, I mean, they do kind of feel like a Tom Cruise movie, but Tom Cruise has always been more in like the, like the, I don't know, the spy and sci-fi action area, whereas rather than like the fantasy historical action area, like the Indiana Jones zone. Like, oh, Nicolas Cage. There you go. Nick Cage <laughs> steals the Declaration of Independence in Uncharted, the movie. Based on the game, Uncharted the game, the movie, based on the game by Naughty Dog. Uh, <laughs> starring, Just a long title. Starring uh, National Treasures, Nick Cage. Um, <laughs> God, you know, those movies are so underrated. Ugh. No, those movies are so ass. They are so good. It, like, they are, they are so, so good. I am they so excited. so bad. <laughs> I, I hope they make a third one. I really do. I- I hope they um, do too for the memes. I know Disney Plus is making a TV show based on National Treasure that's going to be like a, a new set of characters, but they were apparently going to be also making a third one. So I really hope so because mm, I they're, they're yes they're bad movies. They are bad movies, but they're the good kind of bad movies. They're the ones that I can sit down and watch and just be like, this is garbage, but I'm also having a great time. Well, it's because of Nicolas Cage and how awkward he is. It's not even that he's awkward. It's just like. It's- this is, it's of just, course, of course, it's Nick Cage. Of course, of course, he's the one to steal the Declaration of Independence. Of well, this other people, guy was going to steal it first, so you know you got to protect it by I stealing mean, it. He beat it, but he still stole it. <laughs> oh my God! National Treasures, Nick Cage. Uh, he should just be in everything. Like, yes, everything. could you imagine, like, an Elden Ring? You don't get to pick your character. It's just Nick Cage. Could you imagine Hiding the demons. trailer of Arc Two? Instead of in detail, it's Nicolas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my god. I would have been down for that at that point. I would have been like, yes, no, we have to we have to play this. Fucking R2 game of the year. (laughs) R2 starring Nick uh National Treasures Nick Cage. Um co-starring co-starring Vin Diesel. Co-starring Vin Diesel. And family. (laughs) And family. (laughs) So it's it's Family and fortune. That's that's what it is. Family and fortune. Oh man, Nick Beautiful. Nick Cage. Um, Nick Cage. I wonder if if you had a PC that meets the minimum requirements for Elden Ring, if that PC would also run Nick Cage. Yes. Would it? Well, can Can my PC run Nick Cage? I don't know. Ask don't Nick know. Cage. I'd have to. I'd have to ask him. Um, the, the PC requirements for Elden Ring uh, leaked a few uh, last week, but then were made official this week. Um, they are pretty steep, weirdly, um, which is strange given the fact that the game comes out on regular old PS4 and Xbox One that they would be this high. Um, but uh, you will be required to have Windows 10 or 11. Um, you will need to have at least an Intel Core i5-8400 or AMD Ryzen 3 3300X, 12 gigs of RAM, and a 3 gig GeForce 1060 or Radeon RX 580 4GB 
plus 60 gigs of space. Um, if you want the recommended system requirements, they're weirdly not that much higher. Intel Core i7-8700K or Ryzen 5 3600, 16 gigs of RAM, and an 8 gig GeForce 1070 or 8 gig Vega 56 from AMD. So um, those are weirdly high for a video game. Yes. Uh, especially one that comes out on the base systems uh, for PS4 and Xbox One. But um, but yeah, those are official. They, they leaked and everybody was like, oh, those can't be right because th- that minimum must be the recommended for light. But we don't know what this, what the resolution and frame rate that they're targeting for that is. Like maybe it's yeah. 1080p at 30 for those minimum specs, which would still be pretty low. Um, but yeah, so those dropped um moving on <laughs> i mean that's there's not much to talk about there's, yeah there's know. not much to talk about if you if you have a pc released in the last and you built it in the last like seven years you should be able to play that game yeah you you should be fine you should be fine yeah can my can my 3070 ti run it uh no it can't it can't it won't be able to run the elden ring the elden ring oh. is just too powerful for the 3070 but it, it only allows less powerful beings to, like, to like enjoy Nicholas Cage, like Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage can play Elden Ring on his thirty seventy, but you can't. Understandable. Nick Cage gets Nick Cage gets exceptions. He's to first the dibs on everything. He gets first dibs on everything. Literally everything. Literally everything. You know what? An absolute G. What? What an absolute G. What an absolute, absolute G. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cage, absolute Nick G. Cage podcast title <laughs> no. uh, so someone though is not an absolute g and that is ubisoft Ooh. um so 200 days ago which is a weird measurement of time uh <laughs> there yes. was a group uh, called a better ubisoft which released an open letter to its ubisoft call- calling for real fundamental change um in the wake of revelations of sexual misconduct harassment and discrimination in um, the workplace at Ubisoft. Uh, now, this was signed by over a thousand current and former staff, um, and it basically accused the management at Ubisoft of basically uh, giving them a year after these re- revelations came out of nothing more than kind words, empty promises, and an inability or unwillingness to remove known offenders. Now, there have been some high profile people who have left Ubisoft um, over the past year and a half, two years, as these revelations came out. We don't know if they're people leaving because of the environment or if they're people leaving because they were causing the environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But people have been leaving. But now it's been 200 days since that letter came out, and they are now claiming that Ubisoft has done basically nothing um, to improve working conditions at Ubisoft. Um, so yeah, uh, this has been a problem in the industry for a while now. Uh, and like, it's the thing that destroyed Activision. Like the reason they went and sold was because of this kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's just a real shame that Ubisoft isn't doing anything about it. Especially when you have a group with all these signatures come up to you and ask for change and you still don't change. 
yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I am just a man at a computer, but even I have the common sense to be like, hey, if my employees aren't happy and getting mistreated or sexually mistreated, maybe I should enforce more rules. Maybe I should clear out the people who are doing it. Yes. It's no matter like, how high up or low, they should be gone. People are shit. Like, people are awful. And, like, yes. especially when you get into these higher up executive roles, like, the type of personality that it takes to be in that position uh, is often the type of personality that overlaps very much with people who are like this. So it's not a surprise that this is happening. It's happening everywhere. Um, it's just distinctly awful that an industry that has tried to be more inclusive and tried to be more diverse in how it portrays characters in video games. I mean, imagine, you know, if you think back on the last 30 years of video games and there have been a lot of really strong female characters, you know, but you go back 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and they were highly sexualized because the audience was dominantly male and teenage male, young adult male. So that was the audience. Tomb Raider, Laura Croft, yeah. or, Laura Croft and her pyramid boobies. Like that was just the yes. thing. Um, you know, you go back now though, you look at Aloy and, and, uh, you know, Cassandra and Assassin's Creed and Eivor and Assassin's in Valhalla. And, uh, I can't remember her name, but Bayek's, uh, wife in Assassin's Creed Origins. I'm just using Ubisoft games as an example here, but, you know, you you look back on it and you have more and more examples, Ellie in The Last of Us, of strong female characters that are not explicitly sexualized. And the industry is moving in a good direction there. Like, obviously, we're not saying you can't have sex in games, but your characters shouldn't exist solely to please male eyes. That's not the point of the character. The character is a human being. It should, you know, not just be an object. And the industry has moved very strongly in that direction. But at the same time, we're hearing that behind the scenes, it's a cesspool of perverts mm. that are making these games and or are involved or in like the managerial roles of making these games. And these teams have to deal with so much shit from these people. And it just it's ridiculous that Ubisoft has not done anything. Yeah, expect. I mean, two hundred days later, nothing has happened. Nothing, and basically, nothing. they have said we've 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 take this very seriously, and we've made significant and meaningful changes, but there's still work to be done. Okay, well, if you've made significant and meaningful changes, why are these people saying you've done nothing? You know, what do they have to gain from saying you've done nothing? Um, it's just I, I just don't. I don't get it. I mean, it's this is the kind of shit that destroyed Activision and made them have to sell. So I feel like if I'm Ubisoft, I would prioritize fixing this. I'm just curious. How many Ubisoft employees are there? Uh, that is a great question. They have a ton of studios. I wouldn't know. So Ubisoft employees is about 20,000 team members. So... What is that? Uh, 5%. 5% of your company. Keep in mind, this is just people who has actually stepped up. Yes. Because there's a lot of people who has not. So mm -hmm. they just haven't signed their name. But 5% have openly spoke about, which is a high number. 
Fiverr Spin has, yeah. has stepped up and been like, hey, this is an issue. We need to fix this. If not, I mean, maybe that's why I don't want to play Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I mean, that's not- and that's the thing. Like, there, you don't know what to do because, like, I want to support the teams that are making these games that I like by buying them and playing them. I don't want these teams to feel like the the hard work that they're putting in is not appreciated. But at the same time, how else do you tell Ubisoft that this isn't acceptable than to just stop buying their games? Yeah. You know, you have to vote with your wallet at some point. Yeah, I mean, groups have literally come up to their doorstep and they're like, yo, change, and they still have not, so. Yeah, and I I mean, these are the key demands that they're asking for. They want them to stop promoting and moving known offenders from studio to studio and team to team with no repercussions, which is obvious. If somebody has been accused of sexual harassment and those accusations are valid and grounded, like, obviously, if there's no... You know, you don't want to just have like a, a Salem witch trial vibe to the whole thing where if you just get accused, you're gone. I mean, that's yeah. not a healthy environment either, but there needs to be a process for determining what behaviors need to change and do those behaviors result in termination or moving to a different environment with the understanding that if this happens again, you're gone. Like, how does that work? Obviously, that needs to be determined, and I'm not an expert. But it seems pretty obvious that if someone is a repeat sexual offender in your workplace, you should probably just get rid of them rather than moving them to another team and letting them start all over and victimizing a whole new group of people. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, They want a collective seat at the table to have a meaningful say in how Ubisoft as a company moves forward. So basically they want to be included in decision-making, which seems pretty obvious. Like these are the people making the games. They should be involved in decisions affecting how they make games. Right. Um, They want cross industry collaboration to agree on a set of ground rules and processes that all studios can use to handle these offenses in the future. Another obvious thing. Very obvious. You know, every, there should be some, that should already be something. It should already be a thing. Yeah. Like, I, they shouldn't. You shouldn't have to like get five percent of your company to sign just for that to happen. That should already be in place. Yeah, there should already be a process for handling these types of offenses, and that uh, that process, I believe, should be universal. I agree that every game studio, every company, should have the same exact standard for dealing with these types of situations, so that an offender can't just hop ship to another place that has a laxer standard from a place that has a stricter standard. Yeah. Um, And then this collaboration must heavily involve employees in non-management positions and any union representatives, um, which I agree with. I feel like if, if management is the key problem, they then you should have people outside of management involved in developing these structural reforms. Um, It's just a real bummer that, you know, these people have to work under these conditions and, you know, I, I think it's an obvious statement that this shouldn't happen and this needs to be fixed and whatever it takes to fix it should just be done. And yep. there really shouldn't be an argument there. Um, I mean, and, just sad to hear about it. It's like a, a company that I've grown up with and they're, they're having issues, kind of like the same thing with Activision. It's like we grew up playing. Well, at least I did. You know, you're a little older. 
but <laughs> yeah. I, I grew up playing the Call of Duties. I grew yeah. up playing the Assassin's Creed. And mm-hmm. it's like, it sucks to hear about what's going on behind the scenes, like you said. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, and it, it kind of ties into crunch culture and this idea that, you know, this game has to come out on this day and we can't delay it. And so we're just going to make our, our employees work, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day, seven days a week for two months to get this game out the door rather than treating them like people and saying, okay, is there any way we can make this game come out on time or do we have to, you know, without cutting significant things or do we have to delay it? And if you have to delay it, just fucking delay it. Like Exactly. Like we, as the, as a group of gamers, if, if a game gets delayed, yes, we're going to be upset, but obviously it's getting delayed for a reason. It's not mm-hmm. ready, you know, maybe too many bugs, maybe, maybe it's like, it's just not complete. Yeah. And we're going to get over it. Like, delay it a year, we'll get over it. When it comes out, it's going to look better, it's going to look great, and then we'll move on. Exactly. And if it means not working your employees to the bone to the point where, you know, they just want to, you know they just break down like i'm willing to accept delays like nobody in nobody's like yeah, nobody's happy when a game gets delayed nobody is the, the people who make it aren't happy the people who want to play it aren't happy the publisher's not happy investors aren't happy nobody's happy but at the same time i'd rather a finished product that didn't require you abusing your staff to get out on time like it seems obvious again it just seems obvious should already be in place yeah and i'm I mean, sure like, go ahead well, i i was about to say i'm sure you know with with this whole ubisoft thing maybe maybe some rules will be in place but then again i mean after 200 days they still haven't changed so maybe i'm wrong i i, I maybe, don't know maybe it's just gonna happen have to happen to another company and another company and then eventually like it, it's a sad thing to say but if ubisoft is doing anything about it I don't think Activision did. I'm not too educated on the Activision part. But to my knowledge, I, I, I assume they didn't. Activision wasn't really doing anything. No. They weren't? Yeah. Okay. Then. And then they went crawling to Microsoft and being like, hey, this, this, this is going to kill us. So we need you to buy us. And so Kodak could get his golden parachute out of there. Yeah. And I think with Ubisoft, like they're, they're kind of in the proto phase of where Activision was, where it's like, it's not a big story. Like there's a lot of people that are aware of it, but it's not blown into the mainstream in the way Activision and dirty laundry did, but it's only a matter of time. Like it's only a matter of time before that dirty laundry just comes a flying out and everybody's like, Oh wow, that's horrible. And you know, do you want to be the next Activision that the only way to save face is to sell a company that uh, on stage at E3 a few years ago, basically, the CEO got up there and basically talked about how they loved being an independent company when they were, when they were being threatened with a hostile takeover, like another company was trying to literally just consume them without it being like a formal deal, just trying to hostilely take that company over. And they were getting teary eyed on stage talking about how much they love doing what they do. And they don't, they want to be able to continue to make the games that they make. And, you know, do you really want to be in put in that position where the hostile takeover was the was the better alternative? 
Yeah. You know. Then it just sounds bad as a you company. Know, exactly. It's just get get it done. Do what you got to do. Get it done. Stop trying to be like, well, we're, we're taking important steps. What are you doing? What exactly are you doing to improve this situation? And if you can't tell people what you're doing, then the assumption is going to be that you're doing nothing. Yes. I agree. I mean, after 200 days, they've given them basically nothing. Yeah. I mean, you had 200 days to respond. Not even 200 days to respond. You just had to respond. Yeah. And 200 days later, they have not. And all they've they've said was that, yeah, all they said is that they've, they've read the letter and they take the issues raised very seriously and that, that there's still work to be done, but they've made significant and meaningful change. And again, what is the significant and meaningful change that you made? Did you just move people to different studios? Is that what you did to, you know, so that those people didn't have to work with them anymore? Well, you're just creating new victims at that point. Like, come on. What are you doing that is like, what is the systematic systemic thing you're doing to change this? Because this is clearly a problem that's affecting more than just Ubisoft. You know, you got to get it done. You got to get it done. This is why I'm in a bad mood. It's shit like this. (laughs) This is what puts you in the bad mood where you had to hate on all the other games at the beginning. Shit like this is what puts me in a bad mood. It's like, I love video games so much. And the people who make these video games deserve to be treated with some semblance of respect. And these companies that make these video games don't do that. They don't treat them with respect. And it's just infuriating. It's infuriating. And this segue is going to be so awful. But speaking of not treating anything with respect... Oh, uh, don't don't yell! Don't yell! Yeah, Here, don't, maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have did this in the other direction. Maybe I should have started with this and then went into the Ubisoft discussion. Yes, you probably um, should have. Probably should have. Um, this is not on the same level, obviously, um, as what Ubisoft needs to address. But uh, Nintendo announced um, that after March of next year, you will no longer be able to buy digital games for Wii U and 3DS. Um, Games you've already purchased can still be downloaded for the foreseeable future, Um, but as many as 1,000 plus games uh, will no longer be available to purchase after this uh, transition occurs. Um, Basically, Nintendo has said that they, you know, they love preservation, but this is a requirement you know, that this, they just have to do this. This is an effective way to make classic content easily available to a broad range of players, um, which is, uh, it's just tone deaf. It's just tone deaf the way that they responded to this. And, um, but yeah, so, uh, apparently after this happened, a lot of 3ds Pokemon games rocketed to the tops of the charts. Um, so people could preserve them. Um, and I think this kind of opens up a possibility for an interesting discussion about games preservation. Like, you know, it used to be back in the olden days, games were released on physical media and that was the game. So as long as there's somebody with a Mario cartridge or a Tomb Raider CD out there, you don't have to worry about these games. They're there forever. And as long as somebody has a copy that you can dump online, you can always get it. Um, but as the, the gaming world becomes increasingly digital, uh, 
increasingly games as a service and multiplayer focused. Um, this idea of games preservation and this respect for the history of gaming has become a big open question because you think about it and a lot of like uh, Halo 3, not that long ago on 360, the servers were turned off. And so you can go back and play Halo 3 on the campaign and you can play the multiplayer in Master Chief Collection if you really want to play that. But if you'll never be able to play legit Halo 3 multiplayer ever again. Yep. And so I don't know what the answer to this question is, but I really think there needs to be an industry-wide discussion about how important is preserving the history of video games? Because clearly Nintendo doesn't give a shit about the history of video games. They don't care. You think... No you know, single-handedly responsible for reviving the home video game console market in the United States and, you know, doesn't give a shit about the past. Weird fucking company, Nintendo. Um, and you just clearly nobody else does either. Like, Microsoft maybe cares a little bit with their backwards compatibility efforts that they've done about making older games run on the newer, systems. newer systems. Um and I'm glad to see at least some backwards compatibility with, you know, PS4, you know, you at least PS4 games on PlayStation 5. And hopefully we'll see more backwards compatibility come to PlayStation eventually. But that still doesn't solve the problem with a game like I'm just like like Outriders or Destiny. Like what happens when Destiny 2 eventually gets replaced with a new game and that game slowly dies and withers on the vine. Eventually it just gets dumped. Yeah. And like, if somebody really wanted to go back and experience destiny Two, which granted, you know, there, the experience maybe isn't that great solo, but yeah. if you wanted to go back and experience it, you won't be able to. And so I, I don't know what the answer is. PT. There's another example. You know, that was a, a demo that for this for a Silent Hill game. Oh, for a second I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, the player the playable teaser. Yeah. Um and that was a good teaser too. Yeah, it was great. And then that game got canned and that demo got pulled. And you can't even re-download it if you already own it. Um, so the only way to keep that demo is if you already had it downloaded on your system. And so like funny side story, you can go on eBay and if you have a PS4 that has PT on it, you can sell it for a higher value than if it doesn't have PT on it. Um, I don't know how that would, I, I don't know how that would work obviously because you know, doesn't the person need to be able to access your account? Yeah. So, but, but yeah, no. So games preservation is important. The history of games is important. And as games increasingly become more online focused, more digital, these companies are going to have to do something to acknowledge that we either have to come to the acceptance that games are transitive and 
a game comes out, you play it, and then it disappears forever. And it's not like other forms of art where it's preserved, like movies and music and film and or, and TV shows. And all these things are preserved for for the history books. You can go back and watch a movie from 1930. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can watch it today. Um, and that shit is preserved. And you will be able to watch it forever. Um, but video games are the only art form that isn't that way. You know, or is increasingly not that way as games shift even more to being, you know, digital and and games as a service and online and all that stuff. So, again, I I really I don't know what the solution to this is, because, I mean, I'm not in this industry, you know, kind of trying to figure out what the best way to do this is. But. There's got to be something. Yeah. You know, there has to be some respect for the past. I don't know if you have anything to say on this, but I'll get, I'll well, step off my soapbox. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you, you have more of a connection with, you know, the older games because like I grew up on, I will say Halo 3. I was pretty sad to, that they were getting rid of the Halo 3 multiplayer. Yeah. But like for like DS and stuff like that, it doesn't affect me as much because that's kind of just out of my generation. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't really grow up on a DS as much, so there's no there's not as much sentimental value. Yeah. Like obviously the Pokemon games, but I have all those on physical copies. Yeah. So that it doesn't really affect me. But I, I see what you're saying with maybe ten years down the line, the games that are coming that came out maybe five years ago, they're fifteen years old now. They're and may not be able to play like Destiny 2. Like Destiny 1, for example, love that game. I have so much time on that game. I'd love to go back and show, maybe in the future, show people how awesome that game was. And I won't be able to. Yeah. But, I mean, that's all. You know, Nintendo being stupid. Yeah. I mean, but this is an industry problem. This is just, yeah. it's more than just Nintendo. Nintendo is just the one that tends to pull the trigger more publicly. Um I honestly think that, and it's very money grubby, but I think that ultimately the industry's answer to preservation is remakes and remasters. Oh, like a, a, yeah, I was about to say like a remaster? Yeah, like taking that game and gussying it up and re-releasing it and being like, if you want to play this game again, well, here you go. You know, but there's always been this kind of this negative, dismissive attitude about people who want to play old games. And a lot of times it's not, you know, it's it's like a why would you want to go back and play that game when there's all these great games that are coming out today? And it's like, yeah, okay, sure. You're right. There's a ton of great games coming out today, but nostalgia is one reason. But like take Kingdom Hearts 3 as an example. I still haven't played that game. I love Kingdom Hearts as a franchise. But I wanted to go back and play Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 before I jumped into Kingdom Hearts 3 because it had been so long since I had played them. I don't fucking remember what the story was in those games. So I wanted to go back and play them before I jumped into Kingdom Hearts 3. And thankfully, they had those HD remasters that were available that I could play. Um on ps4 
you know, for me to jump in and start it. And thankfully, if they didn't, I have the PS2 discs for Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2 that I can plop into a disc drive if I can scrounge one up and run in an emulator on my PC. But if that was an online game that I purchased digitally, you know, that wouldn't be possible. And so I don't again, I don't know what the answer is to that. So, you know, to that particular question, but I would like to see the industry take it more seriously. You know, it may not make them a lot of money, but it definitely builds goodwill for sure. At least shows the effort like they're trying to preserve the past and like they understand where they came from and they're not just throwing it under the rug. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, that does it for the news. We have yeah, some some spicy news. Yeah, today. some spicy news. Some. I, I got up on my soapbox a little bit today. Just a little bit. I, my throat's a little sore after that. <laughs> um, but now uh, we are going to get into some listener questions. Ooh, how many do we have? Today? We have two. Oh. My. Um, so the first question is from Zahir in California. Um, and he asks, uh, and again, I love it. It's a question that's not related to video games, but it's okay. What are our thoughts on Arizona iced tea? <laughs> um, <laughs> what a way, what a way to change the mood. What, I love yeah. It. What a way to change the mood. What a way to start. Um, Shall I, you want to go first? You, you go ahead. You go ahead. What are your thoughts on Arizona iced tea? Simply the best tea. Arizona iced tea is so good. Matter of fact, I had some yesterday. The green tea, the peach Mm -hmm. tea, the normal, all smack. Plus they're 99 cents. No, they actually went up, didn't they? Like a dollar. I don't know. I think they're they're still 99 cents or a dollar. Say less. 99 cents. Say cheap. Love it. Okay. I love Arizona tea. Um, I think I'm no, about to get... no, no, no. What? No, you don't answer that. I answer it. No more for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're well, not disagreeing is... with me. I'm You're not... gonna shoot me down. No, I can I'm censor. not gonna disagree with you. I'm not gonna disagree <laughs> with you. I'm about to say something that could get my citizenship revoked. Oh. Um, which is that I've never been a big iced tea person. Oh, okay. Um, okay. never been a big sweet tea person, iced tea person, none of it. And so I personally have never bought or drank any Arizona iced tea. Oh, see, you had me in the first half. In the first half, I was like, that's fine. I know a bunch of people and you know, in the South have not tried iced tea. That's cool. But then you said Arizona iced tea? You haven't drank it? Yeah. Big no. issue. I haven't. I have not. And it's it all stems from the fact that I have never drank any sort of iced tea that I liked. It always tasted like dirty water to me. I was just like, mm, this dirty isn't water. Tastes like dirty water. I'm like, I'm not, this isn't doing it for me. And I've tried, I have tried tons of sweet tea. Every, like when that, when I accidentally get sweet tea at McDonald's, I literally take a drink and go, this, so I've just never um, gotten around to trying Arizona iced tea. I think the only thing that I would ever drink are the not teas. <laughs> like are you serious like the fruit punch and stuff like oh that oh my gosh um but yeah i not a big not a big tea guy me i like my chai tea at starbucks 
You can drink chai, but you can't drink normal sweet but tea. But I can't drink normal sweet tea. No. No. I I can drink chai. I can drink herbal. I can drink sweet tea. I can I can drink unsweet tea. Matter of fact, I oh, can drink. God. Uh, it's oh, like motor oil. Why would you drink unsweet tea? I don't know. Sometimes you just gotta mix it up. You just gotta mix it up. Chamomile. Oh. Fucking. What is it? No sugar? No, not no sugar. There, there was this one tea that my mom used to get, and it it tasted so horrible. But my options were this horrible, horrible Milo's tea or water. And I got so tired of water, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I, I started pouring glasses. I would just drink and, water. And I like forced myself. I was like, after a while, after like three weeks, I was like, this kind of tastes okay. Yeah. Mm-mm. <laughs> So I, I hope that answers your question, Zaheer. Um, uh, Arizona iced tea, uh, Chase, 10 out of 10, would drink again. 10 out of 10, would drink again. Matter of fact, you've inspired me. I'm going to go right after this podcast, grab me an iced tea, and play some Lost Ark. Me? Um, would you like question, one? Question mark out of 10, <laughs> never drank one. <laughs> the next question... Uh, is a local question. Erica from Louisiana. Um, Tyler is always talking about how he plays games mostly on PC, with a few exceptions on PlayStation. Can you explain the main differences between console gaming and PC gaming? Why do you prefer to play games on PC over console? And what makes you pick PlayStation over Xbox as your console platform of choice? Um, Great question. Great question. Great question. So um, I, I'll kind of answer that out of order. So uh, the, starting with preference. So the reason I prefer to play games on PC over console uh, is mainly just choice. Uh, honestly, um, you have a lot more control over your experience when you're playing a game on PC. It's a little more convoluted. It's the barrier to entry is a little higher, both cost-wise and you just need to be a little bit more technical with games, you you have to understand a lot more about what different graphic settings mean and what they do to the game and how heavy they are. Um, but you get that control. So when you play a game on a console, you you get one or two experiences. You get you know a locked thirty with really good graphics, or you get a locked sixty with okay graphics, or you get to choose. Um, but the options are fairly like arbitrary. It's resolution or frame rate visual quality or frame rate like you don't get the option to kind of make your own cocktail of well i want good visuals and good frame rate and good resolution and i'm willing to on a game by game basis adjust my expectations so like in horizon on playstation 5 there's no settings it's just 60 fps that's it um, but I would love to be able to dial up the visual settings because I'm pretty sure that game's running at more than 60 in the background because it's a PS4 game from five years ago. So I'm sure it's running at higher than 60. They just capped it at 60 and l- let it be. I would love to be able to dial that experience up and push out the the pop-in and push out the shadow detail and push out the anisotropic filtering and all that stuff to make that game look better can't do that on a console you can do it on a pc um that's also kind of the main difference is choice your choice of 
platform, choice of input, choice of store, choice of, you know, frame rate versus resolution versus graphic settings. Like you have all that choice. That's the main difference. And then the cost, it's way more expensive um, hmm. to get, to build a PC. Um, just flat out. I, I don't, everybody that's like, oh, well you have to pay for online on the consoles and that's $60 a year. Yeah. But the console costs four or $500 and your PC was 1500. So it's a lot more expensive. Um, as for why I pick PlayStation over Xbox, uh, that's just because I have a PC. And nowadays, every Xbox game comes to PC day one. Um, but I also grew up on PlayStation. My very first game console, game system, was a PlayStation 1. So PlayStation's just been kind of a consistent part of my gaming life. So it's kind of brand loyalty a little bit. Um, but honestly... If the Xbox was the better system and I couldn't play those games on PC, I would probably get an Xbox too. You know, but because I can play those games on PC, um, I choose to get the console that is more likely to have games that I can't. Yeah. Um, but experience it from me. I can't play half the games that are in these game of the year discussions because they're Sony made games. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a PlayStation. Nope. And it's impossible any, to get one. If any one of those games come to Xbox, it also comes to PC. So I can just choose between, and I'm probably going to play it on my PC because of better quality. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately why I choose to play, to pick the PlayStation, like you said, is that the games that come to PlayStation, Uncharted, Horizon, God of War, they're coming to PC now. And Sony clearly sees a market for releasing those games on PC. But what that looks like, we don't know. Is it every few years they release like is it a couple years after it comes out or is it a year after it comes out or is it closer to when it comes out we don't know um so for me it makes more sense to buy a playstation because there's less of a library overlap um the xbox makes sense honestly this is gonna maybe sound offensive to xbox gamers the only reason i would buy an xbox series x console is to play xbox 360 games you tweaking um because of the backwards compatibility aspect and there are some xbox 360 games like gears of war 2 and 3 uh uh to you know to name a few that haven't come to pc um and there's there is a handful of xbox exclusives that have still not come to pc that i hope will change eventually there's some rumors that gears of war might be getting a master chief style collection um, I guess what it would be called the mass, the, the Marcus Phoenix collection. <laughs> um, but that will bring two and three and possibly that other game that, that nobody likes um, to PC uh, where one, four and five are. But, but yeah, that's kind of my main thing. Um, I don't know like your preference. Like I know you play a lot of games on PC now. Um, yeah. So why do you make that decision to continue to have an Xbox? Well, I'd be interested to hear why you continue to have an Xbox. Yes. But also like what, when you're deciding where to buy a game, cause I sometimes make this like uh Tony Hawk, uh, oh, crash, yeah. I, crash I bandicoot, those kinds of games. I still buy on console, even though they're available on PC. Yes. So if it's a game that kind of like a more, 
kind of like a more chillax game, like a Madden or a 2K or like a not really single player games. More games that I can just sit back on my couch and mm-hmm. play is where I tend to buy from the console. Like more games to where like party games or you know games that I can maybe run split screen with friends. I tend yeah. to buy on console, but I'd say about eighty percent of the games that I buy are going to be on my PC. Like there's only a few games that I will go over there to my console and actually buy, and it's only for the comfort comfortability to sit on the couch and yeah. play them rather than sitting uh, in a whole gaming chair and a desk in front of you and all this other stuff. Yeah, Th- there is it. something. There is something to be said about the console gaming experience. I will say if there's one thing that PC gaming just does not have down, it's the the plug and play nature of yeah. you, you you sit down, you insert the disc or you download the game and you play it and you just play. Yeah. You know, you, you, you with PC gaming, you know, auto settings have gotten a lot better in the last, you know, f- 5 years than they were for a very long time and so for a lot of games you can just jump in and play um but there's still very much an element of min maxing when you're getting your settings like what is your target frame rate what are you willing to sacrifice to get there um you know that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and so yeah no I, I definitely i think that console gaming has its advantages over pc but for me the trade-off is like anything that's first person i i can't play on a controller it's just you have to play it on a mouse and keyboard i have to yeah for real i cannot play on a controller anymore i it's just it's not it just doesn't work for me i just can't do it um you know any any game that's a third person game um is a little more hit or miss so something like Tomb Raider, you know, that's a game that I really don't care because you have like the, the battle parts where it's, you know, you're shooting. That feels better with a mouse and keyboard. Um, but then just general exploration and climbing and all that stuff feels better with a game controller. So um, right. I played Tomb Raider with a game controller, but I played Gears of War with a mouse and keyboard. Um but that goes back to the choice thing. That's that's the big area where PC has like ultimately it just comes down to choice. Choice of input, choice of platform, choice of whatever. I mean you can even run a controller on a PC. Like yeah. that's what I do with, you know, Rocket League. I mm-hmm. can't really drive a car with WASD. Yeah. I mean I have my my Xbox uh series controller hooked up to a wireless adapter, so I've got my I got a controller for me to play games. Yeah. I got my mouse and keyboard. Um, and you know, the, the, ben- the other thing about, but I, like I say, there's just, it just, it's preferences at the end of the day. It's, it, there's not, I wouldn't, I'm not one of the people that's going to argue that PC gaming is objectively 100% always better than console gaming. Not going to do it. I'm not that elitist. Um, do I personally think it's better? Yes subjectively i think the experience of gaming on pc is better it's ahead of the curve you're getting a lot more for your money in terms of just what you can do um in games but at the same time you know and you you can attest to this because you're still relatively 
kind of new to this PC gaming space. You've only really been in it for, you know, what, a year and a half now? Yeah. Um, you know, it's way more technical and you've got to know a little bit more and troubleshoot a little bit more. And there's a lot of roadblocks and hurdles you got to get get over. Yeah, it's not it's not like a console where you just turn it on and it it just turns on. Yeah, like, you just play your games. Yeah, it's not the same thing. Yeah, sadly, S- sadly, it's not as easy. Yeah, sadly, I wish it was. Um, unfortunately, though, that it's a consequence of the choice. You know, the only way PC gaming would be as easy as console gaming is if it was as locked down as a console is, where you don't have the ability to choose your hardware. You don't have the ability to choose your control method. You know, if you lock it down like that, then you can replicate some of it. But I wouldn't want to give any of that up. Yeah, I wouldn't want to either. I I wouldn't want to give any of that up. So it's definitely, you know... uh, it's, it's a better experience for me, but I wouldn't fault anyone for choosing a console, especially the PS5 or the Series X. Those are damn good values for what you're able to get out of them. I mean, that is a You're getting 2080, 2080 super levels of graphics performance and a modern CPU with modern amounts of RAM. So there's nothing wrong with playing on a console in 2022. Nothing yeah. Um, I mean, it... It beats out some people's computers. Yeah, no, it's it's and better. Paid more for that. Yeah, exactly. It's it is almost impossible pre-COVID market inflation. It was already pretty hard to build a console that was at that spec level for that price. Um, you would basically have to buy a lot of used parts. Um, but post-COVID, it's it's a a dream. You'll be able to build any computer for that price, let alone one that can play games. So, different world, different world. I know, different world. And cross-play makes it all the better, because now we can all play together anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yep. Um, Well, some games. Some games. Um, And more games should do it. Just please, 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 if you're going to put cross-play in your game, make it toggleable. Because I know a lot of console players don't want to play in lobbies with mouse and keyboard players. Unless they are choosing to do so by playing with someone who is using a mouse and keyboard. Um, yes. Because mouse and keyboard, you can overcome that advantage if you're really good, but mouse and keyboard does give you a competitive advantage over controller. It does. For sure. But that is going to do it. Do you have anything else to add to that conversation? or? I, I don't... I'm good. I'm okay. good. You know, next week... I'll be speaking about something maybe other than Minecraft and Tarkov, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, well, thanks hopefully. for the great questions. Both of those were really good. Um, Very great and questions. if you want to send us your questions, you can send them to us uh, in the email. Um, if you are wanting to use the good old electronic mail, you can send it to us at, a- at podcast at abxycast.com. Um, if you're a more modern Twiddler and you use the Twitters, uh, you can DM us at ABXYCast your question. Either way, we'll get your question and we can answer it. Um, we, we love your questions, especially when they get us on these really good conversations. Yes. Yeah. Um, ask, ask about my favorite color. Maybe my favorite Arizona brand. Maybe my favorite <laughs> pair of shoes. It, it don't matter. It doesn't matter what you ask Whatever. us. Whatever. 
whatever question it is. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go play some more uh, Horizon and and talk about that next week. And you gonna play some Lost Ark, I guess. I guess. And play and that. Maybe drink an Arizona tea. You know, enjoy some tea. Maybe I'll bring you a tea. Maybe next week you can tell the viewers how much you enjoyed that tea. I don't know if I'll enjoy it. I don't know. (laughs) But that is going to do it for this week. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening and dedicating uh, what is arguably probably another two and a half plus hours of your time. um, Yes. During your week. Really appreciate it. And as always, just, you know, any questions, any feedback, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Uh, And we will we'll be back again next week. So have a good one, everybody. All right.